The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. March 22nd, 2019, and you are tuned into the weekly flagship here at the HTM Podcast Network, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented by Hameen Media. And in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. On this week's show, we're talking ROH, New Japan, NXT, WWE, and Part 3 of the Year of Craven. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at HTMPWPod, Facebook and Twitch, Hitting the Marks. Email us at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day, but give it up for my tag team partner, the man, the myth, the legend, the man who's down with the madness, the real... RBV, Rick, is your bracket busted yet? I just had eight cheeseburgers, McDonald's cheeseburgers for lunch, and it's me, it's me, it's that art of the beat of the beat, Rick Vickery. Yeah, the madness is here. The madness is running wild. I know uh, I'm currently watching Michigan State and Bradley. Is that the game you've got on in the background as well? Uh, that's what I got going, but you know, it's. You know, this time of year, it's about the big shots, the defensive stands, the buzzer beaters, the, the Cinderella's. Anything can happen. So I, to kick off the show here today, I, I'm going to pull a Ronda route. I, I'm looking at your run. I, I don't care about it. I don't care about the script. I don't care what it says. I want to open up this show. I want to talk about uh, a topic that a conversation you're involved in over on Facebook in the Hami Media Discussion Group. Jargo. I'm throwing this at you. I want to talk about the state of WWE live events. I know you're about completely dumping the idea. I'm on the other side of the coin. Let's shake it up. Let's let's have a, a little spirited conversation to get things going here today. Yeah, I firmly support, and, and this really stems from the fact that AJ Styles has signed a new contract with the WWE. It has come out that he has signed for 150 dates, which comes up to roughly three shows a week. The give or take. So you'll you'll have SmackDown, and then I assume he'll be doing the big 
uh, live events, as you like to call them, Chicago, New York, etc. And I had made the comment that if I was the WWE, with the amount of revenue that they have coming in, we, we've seen the live attendance is dropping considerably. I made the comment that, do you really need AJ for more than three shows a week? In fact, I would kill live events altogether because at this point, I feel that they are incredibly counterproductive. I think uh, people get injured on live events. I think that these guys are going out and working on the live events and they don't have enough gas for Raw, SmackDown, and the pay-per-views. I think it would improve their in-ring product if we just killed live events. Now, our good friend Jamie Greer over at LastWordOnProWrestling.com brought up the amount of merch that they sell at these live events and the fact that this is where they're going and working out their matches and whatnot. I'm not saying give these guys the days off. They have a freaking performance center that's got a whole bunch of ring in it they can go down there and work on their matches as far as the merchandise goes i know rick you've been to a few live events i've been to some live events lately the merch stand is not what it once was and especially with wwe.com and the fact that i can get just about everything cheaper on wwe shop than i can at the live events i'm not sure how much merch they're actually moving at the live events themselves i, I would say i, I see every, where every Every point that you're that you're hitting on, it, it makes a lot of sense. And there is no denying that WWE live events, they are not what they once were. They're, they're not as productive, especially going way back in the day when your kind of your pay was determined on the house. You know what you were bringing through those gates for the, you know, for the performers. Absolutely. But now with guaranteed contracts, it's different. That's not the case. So I wonder, you know, if that's why they've even scaled there. They have scaled back. You know, how many days the individuals are working. You know, everyone's still under this impression that they're on the road, you know, that, that they're never home. They work four days a week now. And they're off three from from working live events. That doesn't, you know, include, you know, we see the PR machines from, you know, individuals like a Roman Reigns, a Charlotte Flair that are popping up, that are representing the brand at all these special events, things like that. Uh, but, yeah, it, essentially for AJ Styles, he's, get, he's, he's locked himself up one extra day. So now instead of he'll get those four days off, so he'll probably be on the road, what, Saturday, Sunday. He'll be on, what, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday on average, unless they need to use him for one of those big spots on, uh, you know, a Saturday or Friday if they're in a big in a big marketplace. Uh, I don't want to kill him off, though. I, I still see the importance. It's a great representation of the overall brand. You're getting out there to individuals that aren't going to be able to go to the Rawls, the cities that are never going to host them. So in that sense, you've got a great reach. Uh, I like where Jamie brought up, you know, you are working out matches in front of a live audience, which is a huge difference as a, you know, opposed to going to the performance center. Uh, and with your suggestion of having them go to the performance center, you're still traveling and you're kind of almost influencing people to have to relocate their families down there because you're going to be you're going to be spending so much time there in that area. Yeah, I, and, and that is a valid point. There are a ton of the talent that already lives in the Orlando and Tampa area. Well, it, it's it's a hotbed. You know, we're, we've got Craven here. He's going to stop by and visit us on the show. When he's in the States, that's where he lives. You know, anyone that wants to really achieve more in professional wrestling, that's your hotbed down there uh, to be in that hub. 
you, you talk about the one day that AJ Styles has gotten, and I, I think this is worth pointing out. Yeah, they have three days a week off, but I heard Kevin Owens talking about this not too long ago. Those three days a week, you have one day that you're traveling home, and then you're going to sleep, and then the next day you get up and you do all of your freaking laundry for the next week, and then the next day you're going back to the airport to get on a plane to travel to wherever you're going. So oh, yeah, I, they I have the three days off, but that one extra day, right. that's a, that's one day day that AJ doesn't have to worry about any of that stuff and he can just spend it with the family. So that one day is very important. It's, it's great for him. I think that's a major score in the negotiation that they would, you know, that they would give that to him and it's all going to be about when it breaks down. You know, you know, if I'm him, I would really like to have like a a chunk, which I really think that's another conversation is where they should give these guys. No, Orton has a deal. Give give them off a month at a time. Yep, so they can get that agree. quality time with the family. Uh, but back to you know, what we're talking about here. So you know, you're working in front of that live audience. It, it, it means a lot to a lot of, and I know attendance is down, but those that do hit those, it, it means a lot to them to get to see that brand. And you're working in front of that live crowd. Uh, I do somewhat see the merchandise. It's usually when I go to a live event, you know me, in marketing, in merchandise, it's the first thing I go to. How are they presenting it? How is it laid out? How accessible is it? And, and you're right. You know, it, the lines aren't always as long. But if you are hitting them and it's that instant gratification, you know, which you got the kids and they're screaming your head off. They, they got to get something, you know, some kind of souvenir. And the markup is incredible. I mean, it's, we're talking like upwards, like 200 percent markup as opposed to just waiting, you know, five to seven business days for shipping from dot com on the price. Yeah. Like an average T-shirt is about ten dollars higher at a live event than it is through the dot com. Well, if you hit those like tonight after all, if I want to get one t-shirts, I mean, you're looking at where you factor in, you could get two t-shirts for about 20 bucks there. You get two t-shirts at a live event. You're looking at 40, $45 sometimes. Oh, if not 70, I mean, 35 bucks a shirt, two shirts, that's 70 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then all the other accessories that you can get there. What I suggest, though, I, I think they're important. Uh, they're a tradition in professional wrestling. I, I wouldn't want to see go away, especially with WWE. Uh, I know that WCW back in the day, they pulled theirs because it was a we, we have to create a desire for the consumers before we can actually hit the road because they were just throwing away money with it. That's You know, the WWE can sustain taking a little hit at times with things like that. What they should do, and I think this kind of goes with AJ getting that extra day, and maybe this could go around. This could get everyone an extra day. We need to somehow combine the touring together because you kind of feel slighted. And I, you, where you guys go, the kids love to go. You always get great seats. You're sitting, you know, first or second row. But you guys always kind of get stuck with that SmackDown show. Yeah. And there's some great stars. You get great performances from, you know, AJ Styles, and the crowds eat up Randy Orton at every live event. But how much hotter of a ticket would it be, you know, if you know you, you had instead of just AJ and Daniel and Randy, you also had Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins. You had everyone on that show. You had the best of the women. You could do some inner brand matches, things like that, especially attractions. I think they need to scale it down there and they really need to focus going back to make the WWE live live experience absolutely over the top. You know, going back to the attitude era, ruthless aggression, you, you there was a sense that even at a, a house show live event, they felt like Raws or SmackDowns because they were really over the top. They had talents out mingling with the audience. You know, this is where you can involve the people you got under legends and ambassador contracts. You know, put them on a touring loop every now and then. I mean, how great would it be 
you know, there in Iowa, you go to a show and Ric Flair's got a meet and greet out on the concourse. Or, you know, they've got the the backstage correspondence with like a, a live social media zone where people can gather around and and maybe share comments on through the YouTube or Facebook Live or something like that. They need to create that unique atmosphere that they that they have seriously lost. And that will bring some help bring some people back to live events. Some of these SmackDown house shows as of late have been kind of rough. Um, of course, we know AJ now working is going to be working a lighter live event schedule. We know Orton works a l- lighter live event schedule. Daniel Bryan works a lighter live event schedule. Rick, I read a show the other day. I don't remember where it was. This had to be maybe about two, three weeks ago. Charlotte and Becky were both on Raw. Daniel Bryan was not there. AJ Styles was not there. Randy Orton was not there. And this was a Monday night house show in, like, you know, someplace in random Michigan. You start looking at that SmackDown roster, you start getting to pretty slim pickings. Well, it, you know, let's look, look over at the Raw thing, some of the reports. What's been main eventing the last, like, six weeks uh, of Raw house shows? And this, you know, Roman's gone, but, I mean, it's not even like Seth or Dean or anybody like that. They're main eventing with Baron Corbin and Braun Strowman in a street fight. Who the hell wants to stick around through a four-hour show for that? You've got Braun Strowman, who's involved in every this time this year in some asinine like side gimmick because you can't figure out what to do with him on the road to WrestleMania. And then you got Baron Corbin, who the universe is in an uproar, you know, demanding that he be removed from WrestleMania. Uh, And that's your selling point. I just, you know, I think you know we could come together on this, get minds like ours together. You know, all the all the great talented individuals that you know that we have in our network you know put together a think tank and, and we could definitely turn around these live events where they're actually somewhat of a draw and they have appeal and they're, they're sexy to the consumer i would also be interested to know what an average live event costs wwe to pull off when you when you consider the production crew and the staging and the ring and Sometimes having to pay for union contracts because you're in a specific state. I would be curious to know what those numbers are versus what they're actually making at the merchandise stand and the split from concessions and whatnot. It would be that would be a fascinating case, but of course we just don't have that kind of information unless we thoroughly indulge into WWE financials, and that would give me a headache. You know what? That might be something. That might be a a little undertaking, a little side project I get involved with because you know the way you laid that out there. To me, that is, you know, the business of the business is what is really appealing to professional wrestling to, to someone like me. Let's uh, let's talk about some other professional wrestling news. Um, we'll kind of run through a bunch of companies here. I guess let's go ahead and let's start things off with ROH. Uh, Rick, we have big news coming out of ROH, and I'm sure this will make a lot of ROH fans happy. You asked me just the other day what was going on with Flip Gordon. Well, now we have an answer. Flip has been cleared to return, effective evidently, immediately. So it now seems only logical. Flip Gordon's going to answer Bully Ray's challenge inside the garden, right? Well, you know, when, when you were when you mentioned that he was talking to CM Punk, that completely took me off guard. Because to me, that promo by Bully going back to the 17th anniversary show, that was directed straight at Flip Gordon to me. And then when he had the audience just joining in with Flip, Flip, Flip. I mean, that's what I thought. So I apparently, you know, it, they played it perfect. Fully Ray laid it out there. He knew that Flip was that Flip's been cleared. 
he laid out the challenge. And then, you know, within days, we get the big announcement from Flip himself. I think this is I mean, this is the perfect stage. The timing is perfect for this thing to come full circle for Flip and Bully. Would you make this the curtain jerker? No, I, with you know, with the backstory here, I, I don't think I would. WWE would because I think there's too much invested in this match, and it's going to be exciting. And you're going to have the stipulation New York Street fight. Open challenge inside the garden. Bully's still throwing around the punk word on uh, Twitter. I, I saw that ROH had put something out. Who should challenge Bully Ray? Uh, inside of Madison Square Garden, and there was a bunch of responses, and Bully finally chimed in, and he said, yeah, there's nobody on this list that is worthy of facing me inside of Madison Square Garden. Just a bunch of punks. You you know what I really hope? I I really hope with with the term and the gimmick here, New York Street Fight, take it to the streets. I want to see this thing out in the streets, out around the garden. That would be pretty freaking sweet, going up and down. Go into Radio City Music Hall. Maybe there's an opera going on. Bully Ray and Flip just going at it. Hey, instead of I, I don't care where you started at on the card. What if they pulled like the uh, the Ambrose and the Harper gimmick, where this match just happens throughout the entire show almost? That would be fun. I would like that a lot. That would be pretty cool. That would be cool. Yeah, like like at one point Flip's getting the advantage on him, so Bully like Bully flees into a cab. <laughs> there's like a cab chase. <laughs> Now they're down at like Times Square brawling and all this. They're at the Barclays Center. Come out in the middle of a, a of the Hall of Fame. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, that you know that would be great. Well, you know, you, you just get that image for like the marquee that's flashing like Hall of Fame, WWE Hall of Fame, and you got Bully Ray sitting there punching Flip with his Hall of Fame ring. Absolutely. Absolutely. That would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, Let's talk about the ROH world title for a second. Obviously, inside of the garden, it's going to be Jay Lethal defending the ROH world title against Matt Taven and Marty Skrull. But there's another ROH championship match that has kind of brought the Internet into an uproar over the course of the last couple days. Uh, The ROH championship will be defended in Israel. On April 21st, it's Israeli Pro Wrestling's Association's Passover Bash. So, obviously, right now, it's the ROH world champion, Jay Lethal, and the number one contender, the contender that has been named for this thing, is David Starr, who is one of the quickest, fastest rising stars, pun intended, I guess, on the independent wrestling scene. You can hear our friend Joe Atherton talk about it on his new show, Tables, Athers, and Chairs. Uh, just this week, he was talking about David Starr. Rick, have you had a chance to see much of David Starr at this point? Uh, I was familiar with the name and just somewhat familiar with his work. So, you know, definitely with this promo, man, this this thing is fire. Yeah. Uh, this is going to get him a, a lot of attention because I know it's there's been some issues with it, but it's still circulating. Well, I guess I'll let you drop it for everybody. Yeah, it's making its way, and it it has been pulled from Twitter at this point. But luckily enough for you, the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network listeners, I have a copy of the promo. Here it is. Ring of Honor Wrestling is a stalwart of pure professional wrestling, an industry that is monopolized by sports entertainment. And their standard bearer, Jay Lethal, is the man that I'm wrestling. But no, I'm not wrestling you, am I, Jay? I'm not wrestling you, I'm wrestling black machismo. So why don't you just do it, Jay? 
Why don't you just spit in my face? Why don't you just disrespect me? Because that is, that is absolutely a complete and total joke. Something else that's a joke is that Ring of Honor Wrestling used to represent pure, independent, professional wrestling instead of representing a far right-wing, extremist, corporate propaganda machine. Do you think it was some kind of cute publicity stunt? To let the little Jew boy get a flight to Israel to wrestle for your championship? Is that what you thought? Did you think that? Because no, I'm not wrestling for your championship because I'm a Jewish kid in Israel. I'm wrestling for your championship because I'm one of the best independent professional wrestlers on the fucking planet. Sinclair Broadcasting, you think you're doing me a favor by having me wrestle for your championship in the homeland? No. No, 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 because it's not just it's not just the homeland for me because I'm a Jewish man. It's supposed to be the homeland for everybody. It's supposed to be a place where we can all seek peace and refuge. It's supposed to be a place that doesn't deprive its citizens of basic civil human rights. But you know what? I'll take the favor, man. I really, I will. St. Clair Broadcasting, I'll take the bone you're throwing at me because on the morning after April 21st, you will have to wake up to your your worst nightmare. You'll have to wake up to the fact that your championship is now represented by a progressive Jew named David Starr. Now, Rick, I can approach this from a bunch of different angles. Um, he he's calling out Jay Lethal for being black machismo. He's calling out Ring of Honor for for putting the little Jewish kid inside of this match. He's calling out Sinclair Broadcasting for their their right wing views, which I I don't think that we're any more right than a place like CNN is left. But you know maybe that's just me. Um, this is a hell of a promo. No matter how you slice it. But how much of this is a result of what we're seeing inside of the WWE? What's going on with Ronda Rousey? What's going on with Triple H? The so-called reality era, as people are now starting to dub it. Is this now starting to be a disease that's spreading through the indies? I mean, this is a hell of a promo, but there's some things in here that I don't think necessarily need to be in a wrestling promo. So I want to go with this a little differently, a different approach outside of the real era. I got to ask you something here, Jerry. Where is your outrage? Where's your outrage that they're going over that ring of honor? The company you work for, Sinclair Broadcasting, is going over, is in deals with those filthy Israelites and how they treat the Muslim culture. Okay, well, and this, is the, one. this is the equal of blood money. No, no, it's not. Because I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just messing with you. Well, number one, I, 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 want, I, no, I, I want to make sure that this is clear. This is not a Ring of Honor show. This is an independent show inside of Israel where they are allowing the Ring of Honor championship to be defended. They're, they're passing the buck. It's all they're associated with it. At least WWE is is outright telling you, yeah, we're going over. Yeah, we just made five billion dollars off of it. Great. I'm just joking. I, it's, you know, because I'm, I'm okay with both of the deals. It's fine with me. You know, but I, I almost think, you know, when I'm reading into this, two things. I, I, I love I love this thing is fire. And I, you know, I think it is, you know, this, this speaks to this. This pulls at those, those progressive individuals, you know, to the extreme left. I mean, this is what they think. This is, you know, how they handle themselves. And, and, I, and I love that they're, that they're presenting a, a persona like this. Uh, to me, this is and, – and I almost I, – I really like what he's talking about in here. You know, he's not afraid to attack Jay Lethal, who now is, you know, regarded as the greatest ring of honor 
heavyweight champion of all time and it represents what what ring of honor has kind of evolved into and a lot of what he's speaking to it, it kind of screams to me what lifeblood should be talking about the pure ring of honor pure independent wrestling uh not going the way of corporate corruption that you can kind of link with you know since sinclair has taken the reins that you know that that they're just ring of honor isn't that that pure being that the vision was now it's just cheap programming for syndication i, I like it there and then you can almost read in there too is the reason i kind of brought up uh the outrage towards going to israel and, and linking it towards the saudis and all that to me it's kind of a shot at wwe because you're you're using you're playing to the demographics you know as the rumors that we heard that they would that they would put the, the WWE title on Ali simply because he's Muslim going back there. I'm still not convinced that that's not what's going to happen at WrestleMania. I mean, it's not like we have a WWE championship match announced at this point. Well, and it, you know, it, it makes sense in the terms you go all the way back to territory days. I mean, it's as it's as old as professional wrestling. You put the belt on somebody that's relatable to the area. You know, the WWWF up in the Northeast, you know, when, when they would run those things, they would like uh, strong Irish or Italians. You know, that's why you had Hulk Hogan, Bruno San Martino, because they fit the demographics of those areas, you know, down south. You know, you'd have that, that real thick accent because it was relatable. You know, it was a southern boy where you, you couldn't have a southern guy up up in the Northeast because people would be like, oh, this hillbilly ain't legit. You know, it, it would fit to the regions, and that's why they're doing things for the shows there because it's going to draw. But in today's age, it's just it's just kind of seen as like this, I guess, more what like a lazy, cheap way out. Which is exactly what New Japan Pro Wrestling is doing with Switchblade Jay White, and what they were going to try to do with Kenny Omega in breaking into the United States market. Except, yeah, it, you know, we know that Jay White's actually from New Zealand, and that's well, not selling tickets down in Dallas. Those tickets are not moving. Well, you know, what it, What they were hoping there is it's more just not the United States, but it's the West culture. And New Zealand, although it's over in that hemisphere, though, it's, it, it is, it, it's very westernized. Very much so. Yep. A lot like Australia is. Uh, let, let's go ahead and talk about Jay White and who his number one contender is going to be. It's your New Japan Cup update. Uh, this round is in the books. We're getting ready to go to the semifinals. It's almost here, Huckleberry. Saturday and Sunday, the final four for New Japan Cup is going down. This week, we saw Tomohiro Ishii defeat Yoshihashi. Kazuchika Okada defeats Will Ospreay. Sonata takes care of Colt Cabana, which was hilarious. And then we had Hiroshi Tanahashi finally get past the goat on his back known as Zack Sabre Jr. That was a fantastic match, and boy, was Zack Sabre Jr. devastated by that loss. All these matches were really, really good, Rick. Uh, did you have a chance to check any of these out yet? Uh, yes, I have. Uh, I've been all over this thing, man. I, I've been really invested in stuff, and I, I want to keep up as much as I can when I'm talking with you. So I, I, I've been, I, I might be watching as much New Japan as you are right now. Ishii defeats Yoshihashi. Uh, this match was pretty much exactly what you thought. Uh, they're really trying to put something behind Yoshihashi after this return from that terrible shoulder injury that he had. This match with Ishii was really good, but every match that Ishii is putting out right now is really good. 
where do you stand with Yoshihashi? Because he just seems like a lost soul to me. Well, I think he's one of those where a, a tremendous talent, a great, let's say a tremendous hand to have. But where's the standout? You know, what, I mean, he's just kind of he just kind of fades in with the picture. Yeah, he's just so bland. There's nothing about him that's likable or dislikable. He's just Yoshihashi. That's, I mean, I was trying to like think of someone to compare him to within, you know, terms, you know, like we'd like to make them WWE comparisons for individuals that might not be as familiar with the New Japan talents, but it's just even hard to really pick out something. He's, just, He's Bobby Roode on the main roster. Perfect. Perfect. You look at it, you're like, you know, there could be something or he could just go away. Yeah. He's got a good look. He's good in the ring. I just don't care if he wins or loses because there's just nothing connecting me to him. Kazuchika Okada defeats Will Ospreay, your second battle of Chaos stable members. Chaos is kind of in chaos thanks to this New Japan Cup and everybody doing so well. I don't think it was any surprise that Okada defeats Osprey here, but they were really putting over in the commentary that this is the third matchup. The first matchup went 15 minutes. The second matchup went 25 minutes. This matchup went a little bit longer than that. They're, they're really putting over that eventually Osprey is going to get Okada. I, I like that. You know, and this is, this is classic new Japan storytelling. They're, they're going to, they're going to drop those subtle hints on you there. And later on, we're going to get, a great payoff for this thing. Now, when would you say, is that, is that something that we're going to see unfold in G1? It very well could be in the G1. Cause I do expect Osprey to make the G1 field this year. I thought this was a great showing for Will Osprey. His entire new Japan cup run, I thought has been absolutely fantastic in that transition between junior to heavyweight. And I really like how they're kind of putting over that the never title is the limbo that lies between the junior heavyweight division and the heavyweight division. That's kind of a fun story. But so, and I'll tell you, a great representative for that division and what it means and really kind of like, you know, redefining what, what we've got going on there. I gotta say, I, you know, after watching this and really having time to, to think it over, I'm really looking forward to Osprey and uh, Cobb in the garden. Yeah, very much so. Uh, Sonata defeats Colt Cabana. I don't think this is any surprise to anybody. The question is, at any point, did you actually believe Colt Cabana could win this match? Uh, no. It, uh, this was just more about, you know, what are you going to get out of this thing? I tell you what's even more surprising, though, as we're sitting here, as we're looking at the final four, is that Sonata's advanced here. And, and I, it's crazy to say that I'm surprised by that. I mean, we're talking about someone that's been labeled as a potential future ace. Uh, but now I think it's very intriguing that he is to this point. Uh, and I don't want to get ahead because I know we're, we're getting ready to talk about it. But this final four, is it's off the hook. Tanahashi gets past Zack Sabre Jr. This match, once again, fantastic. These two guys just have great chemistry. Zack Sabre Jr., he came into this matchup with a game plan, and Tanahashi just took it away from him. You know, we talk all the time about Zack Sabre time. When you get in the ring with Zack Sabre Jr., you're wrestling a Zack Sabre Jr. match. Tanahashi tried to take Zack Sabre Jr. as far out of that as he possibly could, and in the end of it, he just plain out wrestled him and caught him. Yeah, great match. Uh, it, it, you know, you've really got to be... Really got to be loving uh, the, the run here from the ace. Tanahashi moving slow, moving real slow. I know, slow. but he's getting it done, man. He's I know that's where they're going with, but he's getting it done. It's you know, it's a it's a different 
it's a different approach from it. And I, and it's, I don't know if it is what they're, it's what I'm taking it as the story is the aging ace here, which to me, this final four is, is really interesting. Saturday morning, it's going down. Tanahashi versus Sonata. And then you'll have Tomohiro Ishii versus Kazuchika Okada. Rick, what is your pick for the finals of the New Japan Cup? Are we seriously going to get Okada and Tanahashi? I think, man, that's going to be huge if you're trying to drum up interest and, you know, all eyes on the New Japan Cup as we get ready for the Supercard. The G1 Supercard in the Garden. But I, I really love this Tanahashi Sonata. You know, it's just kind of putting over there. We, we've got the ace versus the potential future ace I who's think made this great run. Both of these matches are going to be fantastic. Um, I got to thinking about something, and I'm trying to talk myself into this. Is there any chance Tomohiro Ishii could win the New Japan Cup? We've talked for a couple of years now how Ishii is super over in the States. Ever since that first matchup in Long Beach when he grabbed a hold of the top rope with his teeth and stopped Kenny Omega from German suplexing him through a table, Tomohiro Ishii has been America's guy. Is there any chance that they put Ishii over in this thing? I just, I don't think for this, this on this stage, this spotlight, I just don't think it's the right call. I, I know he's over... You know, with the audience that that we've seen flock to these New Japan shows over here, but I mean, we're talking about the Garden here. We're we're talking about WrestleMania weekend, uh, the highlight of Saturday night. All eyes are going to be on this thing. I, I know they've already sold out. You know, it's not really going to factor into what they've got going on inside that building. But you you still like you know what I'm going to try to take that back because you really want to liven that place up. You want to bring that to a whole new level. So that then that itself trickles outward. It it shines outward to all the new eyes that are going to be on this product because, you know, individuals, you know, if I happen to be out somewhere working an event or something that that evening, you got to you're going to be sure it's going to be on my laptop. People are going to gather around it. You're going to have people, uh, casuals, you know, mingling with the diehards that are going to have this on Saturday night or maybe a replay on Sunday. That's the time you want to elevate this to bring those new eyes in. Like, this is something special. I, I need to find this alternative as opposed to this, you know, eight hours of garbage that we got going on at WrestleMania. Can you make any case for Sonata to win the New Japan Cup and go on to challenge Switchblade Jay White inside of Madison Square Garden? I, I think it just it falls under. I think it falls under what, you know, what I just laid out there with Ishii. I think you, you gotta, and I love the story of Tanahashi, man, just everything I laid out and I know the star power. I know the, the magnitude of the man, how impressive he is. And to have a stage like that, man, I almost would, I would go Okada. See, and I, I feel like it has to be Tanahashi because I, I just, I cannot see Okada taking a loss to Switchblade in the garden. I, I just don't think Okada can take it. In this in this circumstance, I know, especially with you, the, the purest of pure New Japan, how important it is to you with those wins and losses. And they are. I'm not trying to dismiss that. I just think on this stage, I want the biggest, the best. And Tanahashi's right there, close, right behind there for me. Especially if you can really put over the, you know, put over the fact now, you know, that he is your ace. 
And it's the same would go for Okada, though. I mean, to have the opportunity to have headlined the Dome and the Garden. And I think for the legacy, the career of Tanahashi, it goes for both. But to say, you know, this is our top guy. This is the guy that you could, you know, that is comparable for us to the Bruno, the Hulk Hogan. And that's the story you kind of want to tell to some people to let them know how important it is. But you, you can still get there with Okada. And, and you just, I mean, you know it. Oh, I There's do. There's no denying the star power of Okada. Yeah, he, he's Okada. There, the, the, the air changes when he enters the room. I mean, we talk about it factors. There's a different it factor. There's another level of it. You know, when you're talking about people like uh, like a Ric Flair, a Hawk Hogan, and I'll be damned, you know, I'll argue to anyone. I'll put Okada on that level. I mean, he is a game changer. Like you said, the, the air, the whole aura, the vibe of an arena or, you know, wherever he's at, it changes when this man is there. I can't, I can't pick one. It, it, it's going to be incredible. And especially now, because the relationship between these two men has changed so much since the last time we saw them face off. They're friends now. They're tag team partners now. And now it's all going to blow up in their face. It's like, you know, the Japanese mega powers exploding to see who's going to take on Switchblade Jay White inside of Madison Square Garden. So, Rick, which is the main event? Which is going to close the show? Is it going to be the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship? Either Tanahashi or Okada versus Switchblade Jay White? Or is it going to be the Ring of Honor World Championship in a triple threat ladder match with Jay Lethal, Matt Taven, and Marty Skrull? You got to go with the traditional one. One One-on-one. The the title with the most prestige. And it really is your special attraction is New Japan because, I mean, we get Ring of Honor all the time That's in the true. States, you know? I just, man, I hate to follow a triple threat ladder match, you know? Well, and almost to me, it would kind of removed it from the main event is when they gimmicked it out with the triple threat and added the ladder. It feels like they're trying so hard. It's like every time you go to pick up the cute girl, you show up with roses every time. And it's a very heavy Ring of Honor show. At, yeah, at this point, it's a very heavy Ring of Honor show. Uh, let's talk about NXT. Uh, you know, I, people told me I was absolutely crazy when both of these shows were going to be going down at the same time. And I said if I had to buy tickets to one, I would probably buy tickets to TakeOver. Now that the TakeOver lineup is coming together, Rick, at the end of this part of the segment, I'm going to ask you if you could only buy tickets to one. Which one is it going to be? Did you have a chance to watch this week's NXT as of yet? Uh, I did yesterday. So there's only one match on this week's show. Uh, The show opens up with Triple H making the announcement regarding the NXT championship. Once again, hashtag real era. Uh, I thought this was a great promo out of Triple H. I I understand, you know, that he's talking about the real life situation going on with Tommaso Ciampa, but the way that he laid out that promo about how some guys' dreams start in NXT and other guys' dreams, they battle through the independent scene just for the right to stand in this ring. And now as one man's dream is put on hold, another man's dream can come to fruition. I thought it was a killer promo out of Triple H. What did you think of this whole little segment? Uh, I liked it. You know, and this is, it, it was kind of, it's kind of weird, you know, because when we look at Raw, you know, I've talked about last week, it's been, I felt like, I feel like it's been like six weeks since Triple H has really 
knocked it out of the park on the microphone. We killed it here. Just absolutely killed it. This is a week of great promos, man. Between that David Starr one and this Triple H one, we got the Big E one coming up later. Really good week on the stick. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, none of them happened on a Monday or Tuesday night. Well, The Miz. The Miz. I thought The Miz cut a good promo this week. Yeah, he did. He did. We'll talk about that, too. Uh, But he also lays out the match that is going to figure out who is going to face Johnny Gargano at TakeOver New York. And, Rick, I like this matchup, but I have an issue. So the match is... Excuse me. Ricochet, Adam Cole, Aleister Black, Velveteen Dream, and Matt Riddle. So you just look at this matchup, and immediately I can tell you Adam Cole is going to win this match. We still have Ricochet and Aleister Black tied up inside of the Dusty Classic. We have Velveteen Dream and Matt Riddle that have kind of started their own feud over the North American Championship. That match is going to happen at TakeOver. Adam Cole has to win this match. Yeah, you're excited to see the talents. This is one of those, you know, it's must-see wrestling. But when you, when you kind of break it down, it's pretty obvious, though, what the end result's going to be. It was still a good match. It was still a good match. Well, I was going to say, you kept saying, though, there's only one match. I mean, what a match it was, though, you yeah. know? Uh, we also get a video package on Tommaso Ciampa. And this thing was fantastically done, too. Sitting down with the actual surgeons, they explain the injury to us. We see Ciampa going into surgery. We see a bit of Ciampa with his daughter, with his family. And then we see Ciampa coming out of surgery, and everything sounds as though it went very, very well. Rick, is there any way Ciampa's going to be cheered when he comes back? Like, I feel like this video package was kind of a babyface turn. Yeah, and it's you know it's just gonna be it's gonna be natural. Yeah, because we're gonna be so damn happy to see him. Right, you know people are gonna want to embrace the return. Now, that's one thing with Ciampa though. He's one of those individuals that is that he is he's mastered the craft. He can get heat back if need be. So it will be interesting to see how they handle that. You know, let let people you know have him like where it seems he's embracing it. You know, for a week or so. But then go out there and get that heat right back. He's very capable of that. Or, hell, just run with him in the baby role. Let's see how good he is flipping the script, you know? Now, people want to talk to me about the segments on WWE television and how we have to have the segments because otherwise then we don't care about the wrestling. Rick, they gave all of these guys 45 seconds to cut promos. In fact, Ricochet and Aleister Black, they did theirs together as a tag team, which I thought was kind of cool. And they basically said, hey, yeah, we're a tag team. We're going to win the Dusty Classic. But tonight's about the NXT Championship. I, I thought all of these promos were absolutely fantastic. And here's the issue. This is what's great about this. And, you know, in this this modern, this I guess maybe it was more about, you know, you start seeing a transition in the attitude here where we started getting the more the long-winded promos where you needed these segments to try to get individuals over. And it worked back then because you actually had charisma and personas. You know, they, they were talking from their souls. You know, you, they were talking as the, you know, the persona. It wasn't scripts and all this. Now it's so long-winded. Less is more now with these guys. We're in an age of incredible athletes, not really personalities. Well, at least in a sense of that they're letting shine because it's about that overall brand. This is great, man. This reminds me of going back 
you know, to the, the golden era, man, where, where we fell in love with it, where, hey, you got 45 seconds in the back, get yourself over, or even they got the little bubble popping up as you're walking to the ring. Those hit home. That's what we need more of. We saw it with the women as well backstage. We saw a brief promo with Bianca Belair, Kyrie Sane, and Io Shirae. You know, and it's like 45 seconds. Samoa Joe cuts promos like this all the time, and they're the most effective promos on the show. It reminds me of the AWA, which was known as a promo promo territory. Guys, if you were going to be in the AWA, you better be ready to talk your ass off. And that's very much the way that this reminded me of on NXT. It was 25 minutes before we saw any kind of wrestling on the show, 25 minutes when the entrances started for the one match that we got on this show, and those 25 minutes flew by, and there was so much information in those 25 minutes. Well, and another thing you can kind of, you can play into that is one thing that WWE does over the top. I mean, they are exceptional at it, and it's comparable to any other form of entertainment, is the production, the promo packages, the vignettes. Those are what get people over. Those are what get you invested. I mean, you could almost, you could go on this road to WrestleMania. You could actually just watch the pre-show and you're going to be more invested because of how they tell you the stories through the promos and the vignettes than anything on the actual tuning in each week, the programming. Yep. I, I feel that way every time I watch a pre-show. Like you watch one of those things and you're kind of like, man, if I take out all the filler that I had to sit through, on the build to this thing, and I just watched this pre-show, I would think I'm getting ready for a hell of a, a mega event here. So here is the card for TakeOver New York, as spoiler-free as I possibly can be. Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano, two out of three falls for the NXT Championship. Shayna Baszler versus Kyrie Sane, Io Shirae, and Bianca Belair in a fatal four-way for the NXT Women's Championship. Walter versus Pete Dunne for the NXT UK Championship. Velveteen Dream versus Matt Riddle for the North American Championship. And the War Raiders versus the winners of the Dusty Tag Team Classic. Next week, it'll be the Forgotten Sons taking on Rick and Blackie. Uh, for the right to call themselves winners of the Dusty Tag Team Classic, and they have the unfortunate event of going to New York to take on the War Raiders. Rick, which show would you rather go to? Because this takeover card is freaking stacked. I'm going to stand by my original, because I was on the other side of the coin as you. I still, still would go to MSG, the Ring of Honor, New Japan, G1 Supercard, but I, this is stacked. The I, man, for me right now, the way things look, I would go to NXT. Uh, now that very easily could change over the course of the next couple of weeks if they announce that it's going to be Kota Ibushi versus Tetsuya Naito inside of Madison Square Garden. If they announce that it's going to be Kazuchika Okada challenging for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship then it gets way more complicated. But even if it's Tanahashi versus Jay White, I think I'd rather go to NXT. Well, I think what edges the deck for me is just the novelty of the MSG show. For me, it's Okada. I mean, Okada is the biggest star out of everybody that we just talked about, in my mind. He is. 
So let's uh, let, let's flip the script completely and let's talk about our friend Craven. Rick, we we had the opportunity once again to sit down with our boy the other day. We had writ- oh, written up about a twenty minute interview, and uh, I think that it went about forty five minutes, and we were on the phone for an hour and a half. Uh, you know, it's it's an absolute an honor and a pleasure each and every time that you know that we get the opportunity to sit down with you. And like you said, you know, what, what we're able to share with everyone is unbelievable conversation, but you know, but what's behind the scenes is it's just so much gold. And then, and I say this every time and put him up on that pedestal, you know, the flow between the three of us, it's so, it's so natural. The dynamic is incredible. You know, it's like from day one, he could have been, this could have been a three man team. Yep. Absolutely. He just, I mean, this could have been a three man team that would rival even the Wednesday locker room over the hobby media group. I'm even working on the beard so I can rival uh, the strangler, Steve King. So here it is. This is uh, part three of the year of Craven. And as soon as this is over, Huckleberry and I will be back on the other side to talk about the road to WrestleMania. Make sure that you listen to this entire part three with Craven and you can get his thoughts on the road to WrestleMania, as well as the ongoings inside of the Australian independent wrestling scene, and he's getting ready to come stateside. We'll be back after this. There's only so much you can take, but when you go nuts, trying to survive in this life, you be no but it's so much. The rules are rulers of society, a man with his head eyes, the person that I'm trying to be inside of me, is inside of me, ready to let go, making shit a quiver as I deliver your death blow from the get-go, on the mission to get known by my What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? Welcome back to this very special edition of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com, presented by Hameen Media and in association with LastWordOnProWrestling.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. I'm joined by my favorite Huckleberry, the real RBV, but we have a very, very special guest with us once again. A couple months back, Rick and I, we had this idea when the calendar turned to 2019 to follow one independent wrestler on their travels throughout the year, get an inside perspective on the current wrestling and sports entertainment universe. So welcome back. Part three of the series, the Australian sensation Craven Craven. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Hello. Hello. He's always so happy when we talk to How him. How you going? Good? I know, especially for quarter to ten at night. It's great. I was going to say, that's what's always it's so unique about this dynamic. It's so early here in the States where we're just rolling out of bed, you know, getting ready to, to make this this call that we look forward to. And, and Craven's just wrapping up his day, everything that he's got going on, the adventures down under. It's great. I work on Australian time. Very true. So me and Craven are pretty close on the same schedule. That's exactly that's exactly right. That was part of the deal when we first uh, when we first signed this up. We were like, yeah, but I got to do it in the mornings. I'm like, that works for me. My day's done and dusted. After this, it's you know, a couple of meals to prepare for tomorrow, protein shake, and go to bed. That's it, done. What kind of meals do you prepare for the day tomorrow? Uh, it really depends. Like, I'm not I'm not a massive massive dieter. Like, I don't. I'm not super strict on my food, but if I don't prepare my meals, I just, um, I don't, uh, get enough protein or, or what into the day. So I'll probably cook up yeah, every two or three, two or three days. I'll probably cook up. I don't know what you guys use pounds. I, mean, I don't know what it is, but, uh, you know, a kilo and a half of like some sort of meat, um, you know, whether I barbecue or whatever. And I'll just, you know, 
divvy that up into containers and put some rice and some vegetables in there. I'll eat that, but it doesn't mean that I, I won't eat chocolate bars or drink beer or, you know, I've, I've actually been drinking a lot of Canadian club lately. I don't know why, um, but I've just been drinking a lot of Canadian club lately. So, you know, it's like, I don't, I'm not a strict dieter, but yeah, I just sort of keep them with me and I, I do eat quite a bit. So if I didn't, I'd probably just you know, drain my bank account on buying takeaway food or takeout all the time. Well, just to say, Craig, that sounds that sounds like my lifestyle. But what you know, outside of just your dieting, what, like what's what's your workout regimen? Do you do something every day to you know, like gym, I hit do. the ringer, and something like that? I do. So I I train. I go to the gym at least four times a week uh, to do weights. Um, cardio wise, uh, I don't do a lot at the gym. I find it fucking boring. Like I hate just being on a treadmill or, you know, so my cardio essentially just comes from uh, hitting the hitting the ring. I'll, I'll train once a, a week at, at a minimum, once a week at the uh, Explosive Pro Wrestling Academy over here in Perth when I'm in Australia. Um, or if I'm ever in an interstate, um, so if I'm ever in like interstate, so Sydney, Melbourne or Brisbane um, and whatever company I work for, if the promoter keeps me there, Longer than just the generally the shows are on Saturday night, like in the states. So longer than just a Sunday, I may jump into a training session with them on the Monday, just as like a special guest. Um, uh, if not, I'll jump down to the Creator Wrestle Workshop for SHWA as well over here once. So yeah, on a general rule of thumb, twice a week in the ring, um, whether it's running through drills. Um, I've seen a cool spot that I want to try with one of the trainees. That's the perks of being a trainee. I just be like get in the ring, we're trying something, you know. Um, and uh, and then, yeah, at the gym, yeah, at least four times a week, just doing weights, you know. Sometimes more if I'm bored, but, yeah, I just find it pointless doing cardio. It's not pointless. It's probably very, very, very beneficial. That's the wrong word. I just find it boring. Like, I just can't – I can't sit on a stationary treadmill. I'm just super bored. I, I give up five minutes. I'm like, yeah, I'm done. This is, this is me. So, yeah, that's, that's generally my rule of thumb. So between the training and the eating and the cooking and the cardio, and I, I know a lot of the other things you're doing, like going to school and learning Spanish, like how much time do you actually have to watch wrestling to see a cool new spot? And like, don't you ever just get tired of watching wrestling? Um, look, I enjoy watching wrestling. I, I find wrestling as a more of a like relaxation or like before I go to bed, I might chuck on um, New Japan World or I used to watch Fight TV a lot before they got ridiculously expensive, um, I'll be honest. Uh, or I'll just, you know, jump on, jump on, you can scroll through Facebook or Instagram these days. Uh, I'm giving a random shout out here. Have you guys heard of the, um, the guy on Instagram called Wrestling with Unicorns? Have you seen his stuff? I have seen his stuff. You seen that guy wrestling with? It? Yeah, you know, sometimes like he will just put up amazing, phenomenal spots from the show every weekend around the Chicago area, for the for the most part. Um, you know, so it'll be AAW or Freelance or Warriors, um, and I'll just watch their spots and be like, "That's really cool." So sometimes I won't even watch a full match; I'll just be scrolling through and I'll see spots. Um, you know, and you'll just see some really cool stuff. Um, and when I follow a lot of guys on Instagram like all the super indie guys, um, anybody from AEW at the moment that's signed there, they've always got some sort of school, cool spots that they're uploading. Um, and a lot of the Mexican guys um, or girls, 
that's how I generally watch wrestling and I'll get ideas and then I'll, I'll save it in my, in my phone and I'll go back or I'll go like write it down and see how I can incorporate that into my moveset. Um, or, you know, I would just keep it and be like, oh, this could work when I'm wrestling X, Y, or Z. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's, that's generally how I watch wrestling, but I don't really get a lot of time. No, because, um, yeah, except because generally when I'm on a flight, Obviously, I do a lot of flying. Um, if you ever keep up with my Instagram, because being in Australia, you got to fly anywhere to get to another state. Um, yeah, but generally, I'm just playing my Nintendo Switch, so I don't even really watch wrestling on flights or anything. I really should. Could be a better downtime, but I just generally play my Nintendo Switch or something. What, what game are you playing right now on the Switch? Um, I'm playing Octopath Traveler. I don't know if you heard of it. It's like a, it reminds me of Final Fantasy VII. It's like a 2D, a high-definition 2D 8-bit style game. It's really, really cool. Um, there's about eight different stories. It's, yeah, pretty immersive. I don't mind it. It keeps you, yeah, because there's nothing. I hate flying. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I think it's the most boring thing in the world. To I be don't cramped do in it. a little seat. Like, I'm not exactly, <laughs> you know, like, I'm not a small dude. So, like, I'm not, I'm not massive by any means, but I'm not a small dude. So, just being cramped in those little seats for, you know, hours and hours on end, it's, you got to do something, otherwise you just go crazy. Because I cannot, I can sleep on flights, that's a lie, but you can never get a good sleep on flights. It's just aeroplane sleep. Like, you're asleep, but you're not asleep. You know, you like, you can still hear everything around you. How about you, Huckleberry? Can you sleep on a plane? I know you fly a lot. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm pretty good on a plane. I'm, I'm a, I guess I'm a bigger size guy, 6'3", right around that 200-pound mark. So, it, I get it. it. I know what you're talking about though, in those tight situations there, but... I'm really yeah. one of those guys. I can put I can put the tray down and just kind of prop my elbows up and just bury my face in my hands and just turn off the whole world and just go to sleep. You, you know what? I've never been able to do that. I can only ever, when I'm trying to sleep, I, I have to lean back. Like, I just have to. I've never, ever been able to do that. I've tried and tried and tried. I've seen people do it. Look, some people, I'm like, motherfucker, you are contortionist. Like, you are next to me, and you're literally, your head is in your ankles right now. Like, how are you sleeping? You know, like, but I'm, I'm like, yeah, and I can never do it. So I, I generally try and sit back, and um, until until you until you get those big contracts, you're never fortunate enough to fly anything but cattle class. So, you know, you're stuck there in these little seats. So, you know, you you got to make the best of it, best of a bad time sort of thing. Are, are, are you a fan of 80s TV shows? Uh, say again. Are you a fan of '80s TV shows? Um, <laughs> not so much. I'm I'm a fan of like remakes, if that makes sense. Like um, like what did I just watch on? I think it was Netflix. I watched Peaky Blinders. I don't know if you've heard of that over there. It was you know about some older style gangsters in Europe and stuff. But um, yeah, n- not so much. Well, we had a show here in the States back in the 80s. It was called The A-Team, and it starred Mr. T, right? And uh, um, Yeah, I know The A-Team. Okay, yeah, okay. Course. I would be like Mr. T. If you want to get me on an airplane, it's going to take some Valium and a whole bunch of other drugs, and you're going to have to <laughs> knock me the fuck out because there ain't no way I am getting in a tin freaking box and going up 30,000 feet. Y'all can kiss my ass. If I can't drive there, I ain't going. That's just how things go. It's funny you said this. I was talking to a mate the other day and I was saying, (laughs) he's like, what's the thing that you actually hate 
about wrestling the most? And I said traveling. I said, not traveling as far as being in a new destination. That is cool as shit because you get to see the world. But I hate the fact that when I'm flying, so in a few weeks' time, when I go back to the States, there is a good 13, 14 hours there where I feel like it's the only time that you feel like you do not have control of your life at all. If that pilot wants to nosedive that plane, there is nothing you can fucking do about it. I don't know how to fly a plane. You can't even get into the cockpit. If that pilot says we're going to LAX, but he turns around and drops me off in the middle of Antarctica, there's nothing we can do about it. You know what I mean? Like there is literally, there is no control over my life. And I was actually having this conversation the other day. I'm like, yeah, that's probably the worst thing that I hate about flying. Sounds really extreme, but you literally have no control over it. Like the, someone else's life is in your hands completely. I mean, <coughs> people could say the same, excuse me, about a wrestling ring, but realistically, if you know how to protect yourself, if they're going to do something wrong, you can sort of feel it that split second before they're going to do it. So you've got a second to react. When you're in that tin can, like you said, you've got no control over what happens next, like nothing. So that's what I don't like about flying and traveling and, you know, things like how, that. Because there's not a lot to about, except for the guy next to you. How do you feel about, like, layover? Because I'm, I'm a huge fan of them. I love just kind of hanging out in the airport. I love the atmosphere. I love the people watching. But I know a lot of people that go, you know, traveling like you do just absolutely cannot stand, you know, having that, that, that brief stop on their way to their destination. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I don't mind layovers. I mean, if you can find, I'm actually, I'm, I'm with yourself. I'm, I'm a big fan of layovers. Um, I love, I'll always put up on my Instagram or Facebook, you know, um, hey, I've got a six hour uh, um, layover in LA, LA friends who wants to catch up and I'll get a couple of messages here and there from people that I've met over the time. I also don't mind stretching out. If you're lucky enough, which obviously, um, well, I fly quite a bit, so I fly a lot with Qantas over in Australia, which has a partnership with American Airlines. So you can, all, so I've got the flyer status at the moment while I'm still flying as much as I do to go into the lounges and stuff. So I don't mind going in, having a shower, and getting something to eat and um, having a drink at the bar, like you said. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I actually don't mind them. I'd prefer to have, I'd prefer to have more layovers than actual flying time. You so, see some, you um, see some unique yeah. and some crazy SOBs in the airport. Everybody's irritated. <laughs> oh man, hundred percent. Some people are just like, they're just batshit crazy at the airport. Some people like it's just you know, I find that like the worst airport in the world, the worst airport in the world is Orlando. MCO in Orlando is the worst. You can get there. And I swear to God, there will be nobody there and it will still take you 45 fucking minutes to get through security. <laughs> like, every time. Like, it is the worst. And it's, it's where I'm based, obviously, in America because I live out of Orlando when I'm in America. It is the worst airport in the world. Like, I just... It's, it's cool um, as far as, like, they've, they've got some cool stores there, Universal and Disney and stuff like that. You can kill a bit of time. They've got some cool bars. But getting through security at MCO is just ridiculous. Like, I dread it every time. You know, I think I've put that up on Instagram. Like, be a pro wrestler, they said, and I'll just show you the line of people trying to get through security. It's just ridiculous. It's probably one of the busiest airports ever. So, yeah. 
but you do see some people go crazy. Just listening to you guys talk about it, I can feel my anxiety going up, and I'm not even doing anything except sitting <laughs> in the comfort of my studio. It's absolutely well, ridiculous. Well, Jargo, just so you feel better, you know, how about we actually talk a little pro wrestling on this show? Let's do it. Let's talk a little bit about some pro wrestling. Let's do that. You know, it's funny because the first thing I have here is, well, Craven, you know, off the top, after we've been talking for 40 minutes, um, let's get a little bit of an update. You've had a couple of pretty high-profile matches since the last time we spoke. Let's start off with Explosive Pro Wrestling's back-to-school showcase number one, basically your home promotion down there in Australia. February 22nd, you took on the big rig, Scotty Ryan, for the EPW Coastal Championship. Tell us a little bit about the show and the matchup. Okay, that was that. Um, that's let's just clear the air right now. I didn't win. I don't have a big blue belt over my shoulder, which is really upsetting. But it was a hell of a match. Working with Scotty was so good because these shows here was the first of these new shows that EPW are doing. They're doing, like I said last time, they're doing these shows called showcases and quote unquote they're house shows. But we don't call them house shows because. They're not treated like a live event or a house show. They're treated like a normal show. So everyone goes out there, they give 100%. The production value is great. The only difference is they're run out of our training center. But they're not running a training center where they've just put some folding chairs out and there's a ring in the middle. EPW have spent thousands of dollars getting a massive lighting rig, entrance stage, and everything else in their training venue. And they can pack. Well, the last show they had there was 104 people, and it felt like 3,000 because it's, it's a cheaper entry because it's at our own venue, but the atmosphere in there is fantastic. It's got a very, very much like bar wrestling or, dare I say it, old ECW feel about it because everyone's so close and immersive. They're just super fun shows to work. Um, the match was really, really good between Scotty and I. Uh, there was a lot of backward, back and forth. Um, we're, both, we're both pretty big uh, fan favorites out there, so... It, it was a good, fun match to work. Um, in the end, Scotty obviously got the better of me, but it, it was a super fun match to work. I wish I walked away with never won a championship in EPW, unfortunately. There's only two up for grabs there, um, the Coastal title and their actual championship. But it was a good match, and I'm super glad that I got to main event their first of these new series of shows uh, with Scotty, which was great. Well, Mr. Craven, what's kind of interesting about this match you were kind of in a Kevin Owens role and is maybe this wasn't, you know, this match wasn't your spot. It, it seemed as this match at back to school was destined to be between Scotty Ryan and Jillian Ward. However, Scotty laid down the challenge to you. Uh, so that I so we kind of want to know, you know, what's the relationship like between you and Jillian? Is there any resentment on his part towards you for taking that opportunity that he thought was his? No, God no. So Jules, uh, uh, Jules was, uh, we're still really, really good friends, but um, Jules was actually next in line for the Coastal title. But what happened was a week before the show, they put up a fan poll, like I said last time. They put up a fan poll and they said, who do you want to see, uh, who do you want to be our next Coastal champion? And I think out of, I think there was like 113 votes, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a heap for Australian pro wrestling. And I think I got 54 votes, and then there was five candidates. So out of five candidates, out of 113, I got 54, and the other 50-odd votes were split between four other guys. So 
between myself and the EPW fans, we gave we gave the bookers no choice. They had to give us that match. You know what I mean? They had to postpone Jules and Scotty, and they had to say, listen, we'll give Craven this shot at the main event of our first uh, house show. The winner of that will go on to face Julian Ward at their next event, which is in a couple of weeks, which is EPW's Gold Rush. Well, I, well, I know you, you said, you know, you're, you're putting over there that there's no hard feelings you know, amongst the boys and all that, but you got to think professionally for, you know, and now you, that you mentioned not just Julian, just himself, but some other of the stars there in the promotion, there's got to be a little professional resentment towards yourself and your popularity. There, there always is in pro wrestling. I mean, let's 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 be honest. It's, it's always going to be there because there's always going to be one guy that, at that point in time, um, is one of the hottest things out of the state. Um, you know, I I never, I'm I'm super humble in that way. I never label myself as that. However, if the fans do want to label me as that, and they do, you know want to put me on that pedestal where I'm super grateful for it. But yeah, I guess there was, but there's never any hard feelings and stuff. But at the end of the day, we've all, we've all got mouths to feed, whether it's our second job or our first job. And if you're selling more eight by tens or t-shirts at the end of the night, that someone else's fans don't have endless money, so to speak. So I think the resentment comes more from there when at the end of the, at the merch, at the merch stand at the end of the night. So if, yeah, if they're going to run any more fan polls, you better be watching your back. <laughs> that's what I yeah, said. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. So yeah, but I mean, every fan poll, every fan poll, luckily enough, I'm blessed enough that every fan poll that I've run, especially in Western Australia, um, for any company, whether it's been EPW or, um, you know, now what we can call the late great all action wrestling because it's closed. We'll talk about that soon. Um, I've, I've actually come out top of, uh, on top of all of them, which is um, I'm super grateful for that. So, yeah, which is pretty cool. Well, you mentioned all action wrestling there. That was the other huge match that you've had since the last time that we talked. It went down on March 2nd, anniversary 12. You put your streak on the line in an incredibly personal matchup. It was your 10-0 streak at anniversary against your former best friend, possibly your greatest nemesis, the Mecha Wolf. It was probably the most anticipated matchup on the card. And after what he did to you in the Battle Royal months back, this one's incredibly personal. I know how the matchup came out. I've seen pictures from the matchup itself as well as afterwards. Tell the listeners a little bit about this incredible matchup. <laughs> this is a disclaimer for the whole show. Since we've talked, I don't think I've won a match. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think I've won a fucking match. But. No, so I ended up going down uh, to Mecha Wolf um, to 50 at anniversary. So as anniversary drew to a close that night, the company, the company ended. Um, so I will go down in the history books. As in the 11 years that I've wrestled there, anniversaries, I, I missed one anniversary because I was overseas. I will go down with a 10-1 and one streak. But that match there to, to this date is by far the best match of my career. Like hands down the best match of my career. But there there was a few funny stories out of that match. Okay. The first one is, right? The first one that we haven't spoken about this previously off the air, but the promoter looks at us, he's like he literally came up. So 
obviously inside the wrestling business, when you get there, you've got your run sheet and stuff. They've got production meetings. And depending on the professionalism of the company, yeah, this show was extremely, and I mean extremely professional. Like, there was run sheets. People had sectioned off locker rooms to talk. It was just ridiculous. Like, it, it felt like a TV production show. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, I'm fighting some sort of uh, stupid cough. Um, the promoter came up to us and said, listen, I wanted to make you guys the main. Obviously, we have a cage match and the angle at the end of the show that the show's closed, that the, the company's closing. So I'm going to put you guys on semi-main for a couple of reasons. One... I want the fans to stay there that have actually paid to see you to the second last match of the night. Right. Secondly, after your match, we've got a 10-minute intermission where they set up the cage for the, for the main event, and hopefully that can cool everybody down because the promoter literally said to us, I don't think we're going to be able to top your match on the night, which is super great to hear when a promoter trusts so much in you. Right. But he comes, he comes out to us and he says, but for God's sake, we've pre-sold so many tickets, so many family passes to this show, Whatever you do in your selling, please don't cuss. Please don't cuss in the show. Uh, well, that's cool, whatever. We go through the whole match, yeah? We go, we go. I don't know, 20, 25 minutes. At the end of the match, John, John, picks up, John picks up the mic. 450 picks up the mic, and he's like, he's breathing really heavily, and he starts the promo off with, he's looking at me. I've got my head in my hands because I've lost the match. He's breathing heavily. He looks at me, and he goes... The guy sitting across the ring from me, I've known him for 10 years and he's my best friend. And this will all be online, but they're going to have to edit it. Keep in mind, we've just been told, do not cuss at all. And he said, there's two types of wrestlers in this world. There's everybody else, and then there's bad motherfuckers like me. And I've just looked up and I've gone, oh my God. I've just looked at him like, oh, fuck. And he goes, and what you've just seen here, he's just said, you've looked over and he's just seen, we've just seen one of my best friends, Craven become someone just like me. So let's just all welcome him to the bad motherfucker club. And the whole crowd goes crazy, but I'm just like, we're still getting fined. Like, we're not getting a full match through. I'm <laughs> just looking across the ring going, motherfucker, my body is sore. If you've just taken away my drinking money, I'm going to punch you in the face. Like, <laughs> it, was so, it was so funny. And I give him this look, like, directly like, we were just told not to cut. And then he goes, sorry for my language. <laughs> in the middle of a promo, man. It was pretty fucking funny. Like, I was like, oh, he just goes, there's, there's bad motherfuckers like me. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, dude, seriously. But it was it was pretty cool. It was a special moment. So um, after that, and he just, he went on and cut a promo, how we've known each other for 10 years. And he said, I've met a lot of guys. He's obviously done fucking triple, quadruple the amount of shit that I've done in the business. Um, and he went on to put me over the most anybody ever has um, to say, you know, this guy has been one of the most humble guys that I've ever met in the business, and he does everything he does for fans, whether he's, you know, whether he did it for years to get paid or not, et cetera, et cetera. It was really, really, really cool. Um, then at the end of it, he came and gave me a hug, and there's a photo online, and there's actually tears streaming down my face because that moment there was just, it was just so cool. Like, it was, it was awesome. Um, I owe Mecca Wolf. Well, I owe him everything that I've got in Mexico. I owe that guy more than I can ever imagine. So, yeah, it was a really, really, really cool moment. So, And I'm so happy with the match, too. So now that the dust has settled, 
where do things stand with yourself and Mecha Wolf? Is everything cool? It's, he screws you out of a championship match, and then you, then he beats you at anniversary. Everything's just cool now. <laughs> well, I hope so because I've got a key to his house, and I'm staying there in about two weeks. So I hope so. <laughs> if not, I'll just be some random dude that he hates sleeping on his couch. <laughs> so I mean, he's not even there when I get into the states. I think he's in Texas. I think he's resting in Texas somewhere. So, um, and then I go. I fly into Orlando, stay there for a night. He's not even there. Um, and then I fly back to San Diego the next the next night. To, and we'll drive down to Tijuana. He'll meet me in San Diego Airport. We'll drive down to Tijuana. We've got the crash on the, um, the 13th, I believe, of April. So, yeah, that'll be that'll be cool. So, yeah, everything stands fine. It's just, uh, yeah, from a old bullshit kayfabe and characters aside, it was just, it was such a cool moment. And it was... It was one of those things that, like, you can, as 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 a worker, you can only dream of standing up there with with uh, with one of your best friends that you've been through. You got like when I met John, we were it was ten ten years ago. We were twenty years old, you know, nineteen and twenty years old. He just got there from Puerto Rico. He was he was better than me, but we were still the shit, both of us back then, you know. We were wrestling some little dirt fed in Indiana and no one was speaking to us because we didn't know anybody. He was from Puerto Rico. I was from Australia. Yeah, so it, it was really cool. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I loved it and I wouldn't change it for anything. That's awesome. Well, and part of the reason that I ask now about the relationship with Mecha Wolf is you seemingly have a bit of a situation on your hands going into another big matchup coming up on April 6th. There's this matchup going on between yourself and Marcius Pitt. Pitt, the tag team partner of Damian Slater, two members of the well-known faction inside Australia, TMDK, the Mighty Don't Kneel. They have seemingly set their sights on the singles division inside of EPW. Slater Slater's going to probably be joined by Amber and Slater's Corner as well for this matchup. We've seen you have some trouble with the numbers game inside of EPW before. Going into this matchup, it looks like you're going to need some backup. Any chance that the Mecha Wolf is in your corner for this collision? <coughs> Look, I don't think he can make it because it's all the way over in Australia and he's uh, he's over the other side of the world. So I don't think so. I think I'll be cashing in whatever whatever favors I have at EPW that night because it's uh, it's well known that Marcus Pitt, Slater, and Amber are never alone. So um, Slater and Slater and Pitt, uh, obviously, in my eyes, one of the best tag teams in Australia, if not the best. Um, obviously, and part of the faction that has produced the Mighty Daniel Team DK has produced superstars in the wrestling world. Well, Damian Slater himself did the Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, they produced Shane Hayes or Shane Thorne um, in NXT. They produced Nick Miller or Mikey Nichols, who he was just formally released, who was in the NXT. Elliot Sexton, who's currently in NXT. Jonah Rock, who's currently in NXT. They've been all through PWG, New Japan. Mikey Nichols just wrestled Okada last week. So, yeah, going against anybody from TMDK is huge. Because, um, you know, they just produce superstars. So, yeah, as far as the number game goes, I'm going to have to cash in some, some favors. I haven't done that yet. I'm going to have to do it on the night in the locker room. If I have any luck, I don't know. Because, I mean, look at their photos. They're not small dudes. They're all pretty big boys. And I'm Mr. Craven, that's, that's going to be an interesting evening here. But let's talk about another interesting trip you've got coming up. 
Uh, before you head back here to the Western Hemisphere, you've got a you've got some work planned as you travel across the island to the Queensland for another appearance with Venom Pro Wrestling. That's going to happen on March 29th. Now, last time you were on with us, you made the trip over there. You had no idea what you were getting yourself into. No idea what they had in store for you. <laughs> Have they given you any tips, any insight to what what you're going to be doing this time around for VPW? All I know is is that all I know is is that I'm allowed into the venue, and at this stage, I know that the heavyweight title is up for grabs. Yeah, that's that's all I know. Whether I'm the first to answer that open challenge, I don't know, but I know that their current it's a very interesting story. So their current champion Tim Cade has actually had his belt stopped. Well, it was vacated, I believe, and then stolen by the same guy that I wrestled last time in Spaceman Daisy. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Um, and he's been throwing out open challenges again, except for this time the title's on the line. So I just know that I can obviously, um, I can obviously put my throw my hat in the ring, so to speak, for that. If I get out there first, once he opens the challenge, and no one else is willing to do it, so you never know what's going to happen. But I could very well show up at that show just for that. If not, I'm sure there'll be a match on the card. Don't you just hang out at the curtain waiting? Like I like, I would like to think that there's like a whole group of wrestlers just hanging out at the curtain waiting for somebody to throw out an open challenge, and then there's like a whole big fist to cough at. Now who's going to get out through the curtain first? Yeah, that, that, that's the that's the easy part. Is getting through the curtain is the hard part because it's, <laughs> it's whether the promoter wants to pay your fee or not. They're like, I'll go. You're not getting paid. Now I'm sitting back down. I'll just go eat my free hot dogs. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I've so, been hanging out by catering. <laughs> Gorilla position's always fun. You know what I mean? So gorilla position's always fun. But I don't know. So I don't know what I'm doing on that night, but I know that I'm going to be there, and that's all that's being um, set in stone for now. And then, my friend, it's time for you to make your way back to North America from the beauty down under. You you waited out the harsh winter, and now that we're, the weather's actually starting to turn halfway decent, you're going to come back over and invade our space here. Uh, you've got some big stops planned for this trip. Why don't you tell people the best places to see you in action in the next month or so? Okay, so um, April 12th, like I said, I'll be in Tijuana for the Crash Lucha Libre. That's confirmed. Um, uh, the 19th of April, I will be at Freelance Pro Wrestling, um, which is in the Chicago area. The 16th there, I will be in Orlando when Pro Wrestling 2.0 is running a show. I've just seen, they've just announced the show and I haven't unread, um, as we speak, I have an unread message, which may very well be inviting me to that show for Pro Wrestling 2.0. On Tuesday, April 16th in Winter Park, Florida. That's not confirmed yet, but I've got a pretty good feeling that I'm going to be on that show. And then on the 20th of April, there was talks. Um, I, there has been talks between myself, well, not myself directly, but one of my good friends uh, who's been acting as sort of a middleman, um, speaking to, uh, well, speaking to the promoter of Black Label Pro who is also interested in me being on that show because then I have to come back to Australia um, for a weekend in April and then I've got to get back on a plane and come back to the United States because I'm coming back for um, another appearance at the crash and it's actually a pain in the ass that I have to come all the way back home. But um, I'll tell you why in a minute. But then I have to go back for the crash in May and obviously I'll be 
around at Starcast. Um, at this point, just as a fan or hanging out, I may have a table there. Depends on. I may be behind a table. I won't have an official one there because they're ridiculously expensive. Um, but I may be behind a table with one of my friends there and double or nothing in Vegas. So I'll be back there for Vegas as well. Awesome. Well, Craven, before we let you go, I, I wanted to get your your thought on the big show that's coming up. Of course, I'm talking about WrestleMania 35. We're not going to have a chance to talk beforehand, I don't think. Obviously, we talked about the big EPW show, so you won't be at the show. But things are shaking up right now. Two weeks to go. What are you most looking forward to and seeing at the biggest show of them all? Do you know what? This WrestleMania, I'm not, and I'm gonna, I may accept. Uh, upset a lot of people, but I'm not actually that excited for it. Um, there's usually an aura around WrestleMania. I just can't get behind it this year. Like, I can't get behind it. Batista coming back versus Trips. Yeah, like, that was cool 10 years ago. 15 years ago, that was cool. You know what I mean? Like, that was great then. I don't know how I feel about that now. Um, Shane versus Miz. They've booked. They've announced that. Um, I believe that that Shane's matches are always phenomenal. For I'm I'm a big fan of Shane's work, regardless of his age. Um, but I mean, I'm not. I'm not too. The the, the storyline that I'm buying into the most is the, obviously the Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair storyline. Like that, that's probably what I'm buying into the most. But I just can't. I can't tell you what I'm most looking forward to because really I'm not, I'm not that invested in it this year. Like I, I, I don't know why. Like well, I just, great. I just, I'm not sure. Are you guys the same? Have you, have you, do you feel yeah, the I same? Was, I was going to say, welcome yeah. to the club. That seems to be, you know, the consensus around, you know, from, from, from casuals to, you know, people like us that are on the journalist side to, to even, even those that we speak to you, you know, that are inside the business. Uh, this, it doesn't really seem to have the luster but you're talking about the the women's raw championship uh, triple threat there. One hot button issue yeah. over the last couple of weeks, and it'd be great to get your get your inside opinion here, has been the approach with them allowing Ronda Rousey to just outwardly come out and, and use the no no terms like like fake or scripts or you know her new T shirt that just on yeah. right on the front says breaking cave. <clears throat> I mean, how, yeah, I, how I do you kind of it. see that? Okay, do you, do you want to know how I see it? I think, I, I honestly think that the writers, and I can't say this because I'm probably never going to get a job there, but I honestly think the writers have been like, we are fucked right now. What are Matt and Nick doing? And they're going to be like, oh, the Young Bucks went with this killing the business angle two or three years ago. Let's try that with a female. That's what I think they're doing. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I just don't, I don't get it. I mean, there, there are some matches there with the potential to be absolute show stealers. I mean, uh, I mean, who, uh, Orton, is it Orton and AJ? They look, that, that's got the potential. However, the last time I was so excited for a Styles match, and I love AJ Styles, was the last time I was super pumped about a Styles match was him and Nakamura, and that let me down. Um, I wasn't a fan. Like I expected more of it. Um, so I mean, you know, so Styles and Randy, it could be good. The Kurt Angle uh, Corbin match. I, I don't know what's going on there. Like Baron Corbin's going to end Kurt Angle's 
wrestling career like again like I, I just I don't know I, I just feel and yeah I, I don't know what's the last thing what, what else did they announce um what else? Oh, what, what did they announce? Braun Strowman has declared his entrance into the Andre the Giant what, a pre-show battle royal. Just a couple of months ago, Braun Strowman was the biggest thing that they fucking had. You know what I mean? And what happened? Like, I just, I don't know. I just, I'm not, I'm not feeling Mania this year. Like, I'm just, I'm just not. In saying that, though, going into Mania with massive expectations, sometimes you're like, that's really cool, but it could have been better. If I'm going into Mania this year, then like, I'm going to watch it. Of course I'm going to watch it. They're going to get my money, and I'm going to watch it, but I may come out of it being like, that was fucking awesome because I've, I don't have gold standard expectations of it, if that makes any sense. Do you have Kofi Mania? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I do not. <laughs> I fucking do not. <laughs> not at all. I mean, I mean, after Kofi Kingston in the Rumble this year where he fucking got eliminated like three times, I don't give a fuck. That dude was out. Like, that dude, that dude botched his, 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 his deal in the Rumble is to do some crazy shit and not have his feet touch the floor. And that happened this year. And I believe it happened twice. So go back and watch the Rumble and tell me that I'm mistaken. But I swear that Kofi's fucking feet and the rest are just looking at him and going, no, they didn't touch the mark. Dude, change your camera angle. It's got to love live TV. Like, <laughs> his feet touch the floor. So, you know, but hey, you can't, you, no, nobody's perfect. And that, that would be hard, hard spots to do. You know what I mean? Like, that would be hard, hard spots to do. And I think Kofi's an amazing talent. But, um, yeah, I, I do not have Kofi Mania. I'm sorry, Kofi. It's, it's a hell of a note when one of the matches that I'm most looking forward to at WrestleMania, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it's Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. That's that's one of the matches I'm actually oh, yeah, really looking forward to. Oh, have have we got time? Have we got time for a Drew McIntyre story? Have oh, we got time of for course, there's time for a Drew McIntyre story. Okay, all right. So a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago at All Action Wrestling, like this is this is uh, four years ago when Drew wasn't signed. Yeah, when Drew was uh, he was on the indie scene. He came down here. I think it would have been anniversary nine. I think. Um, they brought Drew McIntyre down. He was in the country. They brought him in. And there was this wrestler who, well, he's not a wrestler. He's a guy that tried wrestling because he's six foot five. And, you know, he'd, he'd be you know, 100 and something kilos. So well over the 240-pound mark, something like that. Anyway, big dude. Yeah. All he wanted to do was wrestle through. I think he was, well, he drew Galloway at the time. I don't know what he was. But, you know, because he couldn't use his name. Anyway. He trained and trained and trained and trained and trained. He got out there and he was he had no place being in the ring with Drew. Like he had absolutely no place being in the ring, ring with Drew. And I remember watching from the fucking I was watching like from his bird's eye little angle that I had and he locked up and I could just be like and I turned to this guy next to me, his name was Brad, and I said, Drew has no fucking idea what he's doing right now. And I'm talking about the first lockup and uh, I'm not Drew, um Tyler, Tyler throwing this indie wrestler. He has no idea. And Drew just fucking manhandles this dude. Like he's a fucking little, like he's 60 pounds soaking wet. And the match would have went for like 30 seconds. And and Drew just like, he, he pinned him, you know, and then he gets on the mic and he's like, literally in front of everybody, just says, listen, I hope I get a chance to come back here because this is what, um, this is not what Drew's all about. But like, he was pissed. 
and he walks backstage and this, this poor guy, he's like an indie wrestler. He had no business being in there. I don't know what the booker was thinking at the time. Different booker to who previously just booked anniversary 12. Um, he was standing backstage and he, like Drew gets back through Gorilla and he comes up and he's just like, I'm so sorry, Andrew. Like, Give me a minute. Walks through and you just hear this, fuck this shit. Boom. And he's got his accent. Like shit just goes flying everywhere. I'm like, whoa, this motherfucker is pissed. Like, I was like, whoa, this dude is so pissed. And then he walks back in, he shakes the guy's hand and he's like, oh, like, like he's a different person. He's like, thanks, man. Like, you know, maybe next time, um, you know, talk a bit more through a match. Like, super professional when he's with him. But I was like, behind the fucking brick wall where this guy, so he didn't want to make this guy feel bad. He was being super professional about it. But he was just like, you just heard this bang crash and he was, he was mad. I've never seen someone so mad in my life. Like or heard someone so mad in my life, it was pretty funny. But um, but I was like, oh, I felt, I felt bad. As a talent yeah. backstage, and you're hearing this go down, right? Does it cross your mind what happens if Drew Galloway starts murdering people? What do you do? Because I don't want to be on the on the receiving end of a legitimately angry Drew McIntyre Galloway, yeah. whatever you want to call him. I'm getting the hell out of there. Well, yeah. Yeah, but like you don't. But it wasn't. It wasn't this Tyler guy's fault because this Tyler guy had actually trained. I felt so bad for him because he had trained and trained and trained and trained and trained to get ready for this match, and he just got stage fright. Like he had no business. He just wasn't ready. There, there is there is no line in the sand. He just wasn't ready to be in the ring with the caliber of talent of Drew. <clears throat> That's the bottom line. And Drew was real. Like I saw them backstage. They were talking and. And Drew, to his credit, is super... I don't know what people have ever said about him. I've only ever met him once. But he was super professional before the match and afterward. And he didn't want to make this guy feel bad. But at the end of the day, this is what puts food on Drew's table. You know, so if he goes out there and has an absolute fucking shocker of a night, that's he's still going to get paid. But he's like, well, hold on a second. This is my resume. You know what I mean? I've got to protect myself. And especially in the era of everybody has a cell phone... And everybody's taking video because yeah, it's Drew Galloway. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it's like, yeah, that shit goes up online. It's like that's that, that's bad. That that's your that's your business. That's your life. That's your career. That's your own brand. But the thing that really stuck out for me that night is, as pissed as he was, and when and he left the locker room, didn't do it in front of everybody. You know what I mean? Like, um, he <laughs> he didn't make the guy. He, he didn't chew him out in front of everybody. Yes, he said to the crowd, this is what, it, what you know, this is not what I'm about. You know, I'm, you know, I hope I get a chance to come back and perform for you guys because that's what they're there to do. Um, yeah, you wanted to get out of there, but it was like someone flicked a switch. He went out in closed doors, so to speak, had his moment, which I would have been pissed too. I'm going to be honest with you. The match was horrible and it, was, it had nothing to do with Drew. It was just a guy... It was like you put a guy in there that had never wrestled in his life. It was, you may as well pull a, a big fan out of the ring and be like, all right, called a spot to him, and he looks at you like a deer in a headlight. You know? Um, yeah, and then he came back and he shook the dude's hand and, you know, gave him advice, and that indie wrestler there never came back. Like, I probably never would have come back either. But, um, yeah, like, it, it was scary to hear, but I could just, like, the professionalism of, of Drew was, you know, because, I mean... Yeah, you know, they can be quite they can be quite fiery. So yeah, and he just came back in and shook his hand. It was really good and said thank you to everybody. Still said thank you to him for the match and everything, which is the greatest part of our business. We're never enemies, which um, 
you know, sometimes you can get chewed out, but you're you're only there, you're only ever opponents. You're never enemies when you're when you're that level of professionalism. You know what I mean? Which is which is really cool to see. I can't say that that happens all the time because I have seen. I won't mention names. I have seen in locker rooms, like people usually sometimes get the fish bites over match matches. You know what I mean? Or spots not going well, or people not selling shit, and you know, people just. I, I've done it. I've been angry as shit. Like I've been super angry after matches sometimes, but you can't. You know, you can't take it out on that guy if, if it's not their fault. If they're not ready, and a promoter puts them in their match because they think, oh no, it's two big guys. That's let me see if I can get the ticket sales of this. It's not really their fault, is it? You know, like so. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, but I thought he was super, super professional off that. But this is going back. This is years and years and years ago. So, yeah, three, four years ago. Great stuff. This is why we do these shows. This is why we put out these specials. It's for great stories like these. Craven, thank you so much for joining us once again, my friend. Why don't you tell the people how to find you across social media, and uh, we'll let you uh, go ahead and get some sleep, and I think I'll do the same. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So, as as per normal, Facebook is facebook.com slash Sensation. Instagram, where I'm probably most active, uh, my handle is at TAS underscore Craven, TAS being for the Australian sensation. Twitter, still under construction. We're getting there. Still under construction. It's, it's getting there. And I believe that before I speak to you next time, I may very well see you in Chicago. Is, is that still on the cards? That's that's very much in play. Me, me and the wife are, are planning on making the trip up. We got all the dates confirmed. Now we just got to make sure that Grammy is available to come and watch those little hellions that like to stay up until the wee hours of the day. And uh, we'll, we'll be making our way up to freelance and see you up in Chicago. Looking forward to it, man. Fantastic. I can't wait. It's always a pleasure. Um, take care, gentlemen. And I will speak to you again next month. Thank you, Mr. Craven.
Hey, this is Stevie Richards. I'm here to tell you, you don't necessarily need all this equipment to get in the best shape of your life. All you need is this, a resistance band. I'm so excited to offer the 12-week resistance band training program to you, which features an interactive PDF with full overview videos, modifications, descriptions of all the exercises, scalability, no matter what fitness level or what age you are, the PDF scales the workout to you. Also, after your instant download of the PDF, you get full direct email support right from me, as well as access to a Facebook group with an awesome interactive community. I can't wait to help you take control of your fitness journey. So just put in stevierichardsfitness.com, go to the store, and download the 12-week resistance band training program. Hey guys, this is Mrs. Matt, the queen of merch at youngbucksmerch.com. You're listening to the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. All right, Huckleberry, so we're back for segment two, The Road to WrestleMania, that part of the show that, you know, evidently we're not the only ones that dread because there is just not as much interest going into WrestleMania this year as probably any WrestleMania that I can remember. Hey, you know, hold on real quick. Before we kicked it over to Craven, you were uh, you're growing out your beard. You're, you're making that comparison, linking yourself to Strangler Steve. Are you avoiding... Billy Ray, since he threatened that him and his boys were going to chuck some bricks at you. Yeah, well, you, you know, speaking of, uh, uh, you know, what's going on with some of the other shows here, did you have a chance to listen to the PW Hustle? Because the mass man, he was taking some shots at you as well. Oh, you know what? I haven't heard that yet. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to tune in there. Yeah, make sure that you tune in to the PW Hustle. That's out now on the HTM Podcast Network. Search Hitting the Marks. We also got the uh, Wrestle Podcast with Robin Nelson. That show is awesome. I love that freaking show. Today, we launched Tables, Athers, and Chairs with our good friend Joe Atherton, giving us uh, an edumacation on the uh, UK independent wrestling scene. That guy watches more wrestling than I do, and that's really saying something. I was going to say, you know, if we immediately when we – when we met Joe and had an opportunity to have a conversation with him over Mondays in the locker room on the part of the Hummy media group, man, we knew, you know, he, it was that, that hidden gem for us, you know, and he's quickly becoming the kind of that crown jewel for us and uh, giving us that international uh, flavor. The Chase Owens of the HTM podcast network. And then we've got Joe and Carl. I'm trying to think of who I would relate Joe and Carl to. I guess they're the Terrence and Phillip in a completely censored version of the HTM Podcast Network. Our our friendly Canadians up there doing their thing on Turnbuckle Talk. Huckleberry, this network thing is kind of taking off. We're we're, we're, we're getting some downloads here. It's pretty awesome. You know, what I really liked, I love that you link all this together. And we always show the love, you know, on Facebook for the Hameen Media Discussion Group. Uh, But if you want to get to maybe go to the other side of the tracks, 
uh, which is a little more risque, uh, make sure to check out uh, the PW Hustle discussion group. Uh, you can just do a search on Facebook and find that. But, you know, we're talking about, you know, you got you, me, we, we got the, the dynamic Canadian duo. We're talking about the crown jewel. It was only the white, only the white motherfuckers that were showing the love for Chase Owens over in the hustle discussion group the other day. Ridiculous. That's just awful. Just racist. People like us. Yeah. You know, you were the first to chime in. They, you know, then I threw in my two sets and I, I started looking through and I was like, damn, Billy Jargon are the only ones defending Chase here. It's only the white guys. And then, you know, it got super white when the Canadians chimed in when Joe <laughs> jumped in on the conversation. Shout out to Chase Owens, a man who very possibly could be the IWGP United States heavyweight champion going into battle on the border. A huge match coming in here, going in to battle on the border. He could be the United States champion, and then he could be challenging for the battle on the border pro wrestling heavyweight championship. Hey, and guess, guess who's going to be calling that action, baby? Who? Anybody I know? Uh, ain't going to be no loser mass man, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Tremendous. Let's talk about the WWE. Uh, All right. I, pro- I, I tried to push it off as, well, as much as I could. Let's talk about the WWE. Uh, everything has to start with Kofi Mania. We know that Craven's not feeling the Kofi Mania. Dude, I, I absolutely know. T- talking with Craven, and, and I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to avoid the WWE talk. I, I love the closing conversation that we had with, with Craven. Uh, I loved how, you know, he he hit on hashtag real era, uh, how he's not feeling this build to WrestleMania and how he's not buying Kofi, Kofi Mania. Yeah. And, and I'm kind of I'm getting right there with him. Uh, this thing is just getting to be a mess, Rick. And unfortunately, it went down exactly the way that we thought it was going to. Kofi runs the gauntlet and then Vince comes out and changes the rules and Kofi loses again. Um, so once again, we're left with no WWE championship match two weeks out to WrestleMania. Obviously, Kofi Kingston is going to find a way to get into this match. The question is, is it going to be a singles match or are we going to turn this into a fatal four way with Kevin Owens, Mustafa Ali and Kofi Kingston? Because I don't see anything for any of those three guys at this point on the WrestleMania card now. So that's part one of it. Part two of it is this Big E Twitter promo. Um, Big E cut out on Twitter, and he had this to say about what's going on with this Kofi Kingston situation. Uh, we've had some time to to contemplate what happened Tuesday night, and uh, obviously Kofi's performance and uh, the aftermath and our reaction to, to all of that, and uh, a little bit of time to reflect, too, on... I guess kind of our our careers and why we we do this. Um, you know, you, you think of this business to some degree being a meritocracy. That if you work hard, uh, you show up early, you stay late, you do all the right things, you jump through all the right hoops, uh, you're respectful, you don't break the law. Um, that that you 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 get good at your craft, that you really hone that, that you find a place with fans, uh, you separate yourself, you find a niche, you separate uh, yourself uh, from a character perspective, from an in-ring perspective. You do everything, you check all the boxes, uh, you show up in shape, 
you, you do everything that's asked of you in this business that that if you do all those things, you have a good chance of making it to the top. But now we, we, we understand the game. We see what the game is, that people, people like us will only get so far, that you can climb the mountain. They'll let you climb the mountain. But as far as getting to the peak, and, and staying at the peaker, it's, it's, it's not a thing that, that people like us, historically, and moving forward clearly, can only get so far. So, you know, we, um, we've done a lot of cool things here. We've uh, been able to, to do a lot of things that we never could have imagined we could do, but uh, clearly we are never meant to be more than this. And for people like us, that's not enough. And it will never be enough. So, uh, you know, we got to sit back and think whether, you know, continuing to be to be gone for 250 days plus a year is worth it of, of missing the family time of uh, doing this to our bodies. You know, leaving a piece of yourself in the ring uh, that you can never get back. All the things that we give if it's worth it when we can only get this far. So we got a lot of thinking to do. Uh, you know, obviously proud of Kofi, uh, proud of us as a trio, proud of what we've done. But uh, if this is all we ever will be, uh, I don't know if it's worth it. Rick, we've been saying Big E should turn heel on Kofi Kingston, basically turn into uh, basically the new nation, the nation of domination and kind of go with that angry gimmick to where we're, we're tired of waiting for, for somebody to acknowledge us. Now we're going to start making sure that people are acknowledging us. I love this out of Big E. This, this is the best promo I've heard out of Big E maybe ever. I don't really know if it's so much got to be the nation of domination. I mean, could this just be standing up for really everybody? You know, who's tired of, of the, the machine, the corporation? Yeah, just, but you, know, you keep chewing them up. He keeps I saying mean, people like us. People like us, historically, people like us. I, this is clearly turned into a race issue. Well, I like the undertones because people can jump to that. Or could this really be? I mean, we've talked about, you know, that is a hot button issue. You know, if you can get people, you know, really motivated and and without just flat out coming out and saying, I'm talking about African-Americans, I'm talking about black America, because right now, and this is the beauty of this thing. When you use those subtle little tones, you can go on either side of it. So right now, yeah, there's there's young black Americans or, you know, just hold they help all black America that can they can find something to buy into that. You know, it, it's going to fuel the fire within them to believe and want to get behind and help elevate everything that's going on with with the new day and Kofi right now. But it also speaks he says people like us that have that are being held down. And that could speak to anybody. There's someone that can't break through the glass ceiling. You know, that's, that's wondering why haven't I ever been given my break? Because it's always because the rich or the privileged, you know, they keep their, their foot on my head to keep me underwater. He's speaking to masses right now when he keeps it very simple. Big E, of course, went to college at the University of Iowa. So he's clearly just talking to me. Uh, you know, people like us, <laughs> yeah, people like us stuck in the damn cornfield. We never get to break through. We never get to shatter that glass. He's, he's talking to he's talking to the dumbasses that, that plow their entire crop to build baseball fields. Yeah. That's who he's talking to. Yeah, there is that. He's talking to the people that only get smacked down 
brand live events in their town. Okay, that's enough ripping on Iowa for for, for right at the moment. I'm sure we'll he's find ta- he's some. Talking other way. To, he's talking to people that root for 10 seeds that, that get their, their asses whooped by sevens in the first round of the tournament. Speaking of people from Iowa who get their ass whipped, let's talk about Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins, a guy from Iowa, got his ass whipped this week by Drew McIntyre. Two weeks out before WrestleMania, and you have your number one contender getting his ass whipped by Drew McIntyre. And, Rick, this was a, a, a sickness that raged all through the WWE this week. How many matches did we see with a babyface getting distracted by somebody else coming out onto the ramp and then getting rolled up or the shit kicked out of them because I think it happened. Well, let's see. It happened to Seth Rollins. Um, it happened to the boss and hug connection. Uh, like how many times has this got to happen? It just makes everybody look stupid. I think the only time it really went the other way, Kurt angle, even he did use the distraction to get Baron Corbin to get that. Yeah. Uh, and I think this, you know, when we're talking about the babies getting the, you know, taking the L's here, but through the distractions, it, it really lends a lot of credibility towards, you know, the hell with Kofi mania. You're, you're questioning a baby mania. Baby's over strong. Yeah. It, th- there's just so much going on here where all of these matches are just, everything feels stale to me at this point with the exception of AJ Styles and Randy Orton. That's really the only program that I'm fully invested in at this point. Uh, what did you think of Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar kicking off the show? Brock Lesnar actually stuck around for the whole show. I thought that was one of the big talking points of Monday Night Raw. I figured he would have been out of there by, you know, 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. Um, what did you think of the whole thing with, with Rollins taking out McIntyre with 347 chair shots? I... I I'm just, I, I don't feel it. I'm not feeling it at all. This this is the match that should have happened at SummerSlam last year when Seth was freaking smoking hot. Well, I think, too, it, they haven't been focused on it. No, no even Seth in, isn't even focused on it. He's more worried about what's going on with Roman and Dean and Drew and all wait. this other shit. Yeah, you had everything else going on, and you had Roman returns. Now he's, he's worried about the Shield reunion. In this case, you know, now he's instead of like as we put over in the locker room Monday, the headline: Seth Re- Seth Rollins seeks retribution against Drew McIntyre. You know, and you question it, it sent you through the roof on it. Like, why is this? Yes, yeah. Drew has it out for the Shield. Seth should be focused on. The, the big target that's going to happen to be in the building, Brock Lesnar in the Universal Championship. But he's off, you know, playing grab dick on the side here. He's not focused. And I think if he's not focused, why should we focus on it? Why should we care? Uh, we were talking about the live experience earlier at the beginning of the show. Right, have you seen this video of Seth Rollins attacking Drew McIntyre on the ramp that's kind of floating around on Twitter? Have you seen anything of that? Uh, I've seen the one where it's like the cameraman where they're shooting the cameraman. Yeah. Yeah. The, the cameraman with the ridiculous gyrations. You know, the the part that really stood out to me was Seth Rollins is super pissed off, right? He's coming out. He's going to assault Drew McIntyre, but he's going to stop on the ramp and wait for the cameraman to give him his cue before he starts doing it. 
He's like, he's just standing there waiting to hit him, waiting for his cue to, okay, now I can do it. Come on. And for the live crowd, that's got to completely take him out of it. They're sitting there watching Seth stand there with the chair until the red light comes on the camera. And then he starts beating him. Come on. You know, it, you know, it's, hey, if they actually want to do, you know, hashtag real era, then they should, they should go with the, you know, let's put in a rule. Act like the cameras aren't there. Right. Oh, oh, the WWE. And then, and then tropes. backstage we can have, and then backstage we can have a confession room <laughs> where they do their forty-five second promos. Hopefully, they're like the rascals on Impact Wrestling when they're doing their uh, that '70s show routine. That's absolutely hilarious, and I love it when other people get involved. <laughs> that, that 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 just makes it better. Uh, speaking of a bunch of people that are smoking too much weed, let's talk about this Kurt Angle and Baron Corbin thing. Uh, Rick, I, I know that you're not necessarily uh, real keen on this idea. I actually like this match. I think I'm the only person on the face of the planet that likes this match. And now it seems as though WWE is thinking about pivoting because on SmackDown, they were pointing out that the WWE universe is not very happy about this on Twitter. Kurt Angle's wife is coming out and saying that the family is not very happy about this. What do you make of this entire angle? This thing from it, from the core, I've got issues with it. And you're right. I'm right there along. Along with, with the passes. This, I mean, this pretty much just like sucked the life out of the arena Monday. I don't think they could run. They couldn't have run Gable out there any quicker than they did to try to get this thing rejuvenated. Uh, let me ask something here. I know everyone's like really big over the top. You're seeing, you know, the obvious. It should have been John Cena, blah, blah, blah. Let me ask you this, Jargo. Uh, name a wrestler. Just so anyone first when it comes to your mind. Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze. Uh, Tyler Breeze would have been a, a better opponent, a better selection for this spot. Nope. Uh, my point is, yeah, he would have. Nope. Than, than Baron Corbin. Nope. Name another wrestler. Um, first when it comes to your mind. Yano. Yano would have been a better selection for Kurt Angle at WrestleMania than Baron Corbin. Uh, my point is that if in the entire world, in all of the existence, on any level, uh, from, from our great talents on our roster of Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling, uh, to even you know worthless independents that are out there, uh, people that are just maybe lacing up the boots you know, this evening to take their first bump inside of a ring, anyone would have been a better choice than Baron Corbin. I completely disagree. I think Baron Corbin is the perfect choice to face Kurt Angle at WrestleMania. And you know why? Because nobody likes Baron Corbin. If you put John Cena in there, that's going to be a split crowd. There's going to be a section of fans that are cheering for John Cena and want John Cena to win that match. Ain't nobody in the building that's going to want Baron Corbin to win that match. You're going to have 70,000 people 100% behind the Olympic gold medalist in his final match cheering Kurt Angle. That's the moment that Kurt Angle deserves. For his retirement, you're match. going. You know, you're going to have forty thousand, because thirty thousand people are going to go refill their bed for it, beverage and use the bathroom. That's how much of a downer Baron Corbin is. I would rather have that than let's go, 
ankle. Let's go, Cena. Let's go. I, I think you, I think you're selling short. I think you're selling short the actual moment. Uh, I think it is going to be all about Kurt. And, and I think what you really want, especially at his age, is you want someone that, that can actually carry and elevate the match. We're, we were, we want something that's going to be memorable, long lasting. I mean, this is our farewell. This is the, the swan song here. We, we want something that's going to be there forever. Could you imagine if it was Baron Corbin versus Ric Flair? Would, that, would we would we care about that moment? Would that be that image there of, you know, I love you before the super kick? I love you before deep six? Do you think that Kurt Angle? Do you think that Kurt Angle can go at this point at the level that Ric Flair went at that match? I think he's going to go out there. Well, I we're talking here because Sean took him to that level. I think Kurt has enough in the tank to go out there at WrestleMania and give you that moment, but we're sure as hell not going to get it with Baron Corbin. So let's talk about potential replacements then for Baron Corbin that can give Kurt Angle that match because John Cena is not that guy either. I think I think John Cena could go out there and absolutely give you that match, but I'm I'm, I'm not one that's on that train. I'm not really on that John Cena train. You no, know, to me, to me, we've already got. Uncle Paul and Big Dave, you know, that's our throwback. Those are the, the, the comebackers that we're putting on that marquee. To me, I would love to see some kind of elevation. You know, let's let's get a, a truly a great young talent out there to go make that name with you. Bro. The only choice for me then is Matt Riddle. That's the only choice. I know that name's picking up some steam. Some people really like that. Uh, it's, you know, it takes some work to get us there. Uh, to really get it because you know another thing too you know with going back and I, I guess we can compare them it's a little fair there with, with with Flair and Michaels is we cared you know there was that investment this thing just was so flat you know they come out of nowhere I'm going to announce my opponent in a couple weeks and then we're, I'm gonna, then we find out you know the day before it's going to happen tonight uh, my whole issue beyond just Baron Corbin fiasco that we got going on is how they're handling this entire farewell tour Where's the pageantry? I mean, this is Kurt Angle. This is a guy that has given you know his life to professional wrestling. He's an Olympic hero. He's an American hero, gold medalist. I mean, we should be rolling out the red carpet each and every week. I loved it. You know, it should have kicked off in Pittsburgh, his hometown. And, and even there, I mean, you're kicking this thing off in his hometown, and it's it's freaking uh, who do you take on Apollo Cruz? I mean, we what we should have people lined up. You know, last week you got Chad Gable. You know, a lot of people, man, this, that's something they really wanted to see. This is a coming together of, you know, a passing of a torch and we just get it out of nowhere. That's my disappointment. This entire thing. You talk about Chad Gable. Is there any future for Chad Gable or is he going to be stuck in that same kind of place as Bobby Roode? Where we don't really care one way or the other. He's just a good hand to send out there. You know, kind of, I think he's stuck there. I, I, I would say at this point where he's at, he is stuck. But if we could have had some foresight, we could have had some, some true vision. And we know that this is going to be Kurt's last WrestleMania. And we're going to run out this grand farewell tour for him. You really, you could have, we're talking about you're, you're in need of a young talent to go out there and work with Kurt that could have got people excited to be something great for that undercard you could have started building gable at the rumble 
or earlier, you know, as the calendar flipped over and that would have been a viable option. It's not at this point, but it could have been. And this falls back on WWE really having no idea where they're held or going. Chad Gable is one of those guys that we don't talk about when it comes to AEW. I think that's a guy that if he could get away from the WWE, go spend a couple, three years away from the WWE, he could come back with a much bigger name. Because I, I, I'm i with you. I feel like he's going to be stuck at this mid-card tag team kind of level if he just stays there. Well, we've seen it. You know, when they do put him out in the singles, he was forgotten. Yep. You know, and they quickly go back to, and he's a great tag team wrestler, you know, and that's a lost start. But, but he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be forgotten. And it's great he's making WWE money. I don't so much agree with the AEW take that you're going with. I'll tell you where I'd love to see him is Ring of Honor, especially with the partnership with New Japan. Yeah, absolutely. I like him as a talent. He's got such a weird, quirky personality, though. It's a damn shame that the main roster split up American Alpha. That I, I really enjoyed that. And I, and I really think, you know, in an atmosphere like Ring of Honor, New Japan, where it's not so much, where, you know, if the emphasis is more on ring work, where you wouldn't have to really need the persona as much. Or, you know, in those promotions, too, you know, he could he could buddy up with someone to be that mouthpiece and still, you know, shine as a singles. Put him in Suzuki Goon. Hell yeah. I like that. Or against Suzuki Goon. Either or Zack Sabre Jr. and Chad Gable. Hell yeah. Sign me up. I oh, man. Put him, yeah, put him in the tag tournament. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, Super Juniors. Gable oh, and that yeah. damn thing. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. That would be a monster. I'd well, like I'll tell you, hey, a tag team I'd love to see is just Suzuki and Gable. Yeah. Or Sabre and Gable. And those combat. And then all the things he could do. Him and Gresham over at Ring of Honor. Oh, Jay Lethal. Jesus. Hell yeah. Yeah, damn it, Gable, leave the WWE. I want to see you on the Indies. Let's talk about uh, the women's conundrum, Rousey, Becky, and Charlotte. Rousey versus Dana Brooke Monday night on Raw. I, why? I, this you know, made Monday no on sense the to me room, from the get-go. Monday on the locker room, I was just like, why? Why is this match happening? Now that I've seen the match, I'm still sitting here just going, why? Why are we doing this? I don't feel like I'm not feeling like Rousey is getting any kind of heat here. It's like now Rousey is the third wheel who's been jammed into this Becky versus Charlotte thing. And I know, you know, they're trying to to hype up and I think they gave Dana a little bit of time to try to get you invested in her. But ultimately, this was about how out of control is Rousey going to be. But even in that sense, did any of it hit the mark? No. Was it effective in any way? Was there anything that happened that honestly made you like, oh, damn, all that real talk. Now I'm feeling it. That vibe is coming through. Here's the way I measure. Is there anything that happened during that segment that makes me want to see the match at WrestleMania more now than I did before I saw the segment? And the answer is no. I got one counterpoint on that. I, I am now looking more forward towards the match. So that it ends quicker and Rhonda can go on hiatus quicker. Yeah, there is that. Um, I also don't like the involvement of uh, Travis Brown. Just not a fan. Yeah, and what's up with this? It's just knocking out people as a fan. And yeah, I wonder how many people like actually got it. Like how many how many of the casual fans hey, know who I'll tell that you what, is? Now, now he's banned. <laughs> hey, and how about hey, I, I know you love this because you were hot on this one. 
them put they they kept putting over the undisclosed fine. Oh, it's just I. I think this whole thing is just awful. Then we have the Kevin Owens show on Tuesday. When, you know, that's who I really felt bad for this week in this whole thing was Kevin Owens. Yeah, and he's got like a whole set now and graphics, and that was a really nice tie that he wore, and they just made him a cornball comedy act. I think this guy went from presumably being penciled in to face Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania to, uh, to being leapfrogged by Kofi. And now he is the mediator for the women's feud. And and he has to put over Kofi. We're, we're seeing a lot of that. We, we've seen AJ Styles now put over Kofi. We're seeing Owens put over Kofi. We saw Miz put over Kofi. It feels so heavy-handed. It, 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 it was, again, kind of like this women's thing. You had something that was organic. You had something that people wanted to see. In fact, you had two matches that people wanted to see because we wanted to see Becky versus uh, Rousey and we wanted to see Charlotte versus Asuka too. Those were two matches we wanted to see. And now we have nothing. We wanted to see Kofi versus Brian. And now it's like at this point, even if Kofi Kingston gets the match against Daniel Bryan and pins Daniel Bryan in the middle of the ring, I expect Vince McMahon to come walking out on stage and say, oh, nope, sorry, Kofi, this is a submission-only match. Like, come the fuck on. It's just, it's too much. Are you, do you think in the next week or so we're going to get an Occupy Blue segment? Oh, yeah, I kind of do. I, I am kind of feeling that now that you say it. Oh, that's awful. That'd almost be as bad as Biggie turning on Kofi and standing up for the black man and then finding out that he did it on Vince's order. You know who I hope comes out? Like, like all right, I'll, okay, I'm okay with. You know what? Uh, Vince Vince comes out next week and we're getting, oh, uh, well, that's great, Kofi. Uh, you're going to WrestleMania if... And then we hit this un, unknown music. But wait a minute, it is familiar. That's presidential music. And then ex-president Obama comes out and vetoes Vince McMahon. Ugh, something's got to happen here. I mean, <laughs> I it, it was just a couple of months ago, Vince McMahon stood in the ring on Monday Night Raw and said, we're going to give the fans what they want. We're the authority now. And since then, Vince McMahon has done everything in his power to take away everything that the fans want to see. And yet he still wants us to support his product and buy his T-shirts and all. It's just the the heel authority figure thing is so freaking dead to me. For 25 years, Vince has been teaching me to hate the WWE. Well, they come they they tell you they come out right right out and say it with all these evil authority figures. And what that really does is, you know, people start, they start linking the two, you know, what we're seeing on television and what we see in reality. And a lot of times the gray areas, it's hard to tell the difference. So you just, well, you told me to hate you. And now I'm looking at it. I hate you. Yep. So what does Kevin Owens do at WrestleMania? Do you see any role for Kevin Owens at this point? Uh, let's see here. Um, who was uh, the guy that used to sit with uh, Johnny Carson? Oh, Jesus. Talk about going back. My God. I, I can picture it. 
get the white hair. He did like the public uh, clearinghouse stuff. Yeah. Ed McMahon. Ed McMahon. He's going to be the Ed McMahon to Alexa Bliss. Oh, dear God. Uh, Boss and Hug Connection finally show up on SmackDown Live. Of course, they eat a pin from the Iconics. Well, thanks to a distraction. Thanks to a distraction from your girl, Lacey Evans. What a distraction. What a lady. So the Boss and Hug Connection, it looks like, is going to be in a fatal four-way for the Women's Tag Team Championships. It'll be LOP versus Heart of the Phoenix versus the Iconics versus the Boss and Hug Connection. And I don't care. I told you. I told you that's where they were going to go with it. I just don't care. And then we also have... So would you? where would you put this on the card? Like maybe like in the... Uh... The four o'clock hour, the five o'clock hour. Um, what time does WrestleMania start? Uh, four o'clock. So I'd put it on at three. <laughs> the, the the pre kickoff kickoff. Yes, yes, the kickoff to the kickoff show. Uh, then we have basically the rest of the SmackDown women's division, uh, which yeah, there is a champion on SmackDown. Her name is Oscar. Uh, she, she does still exist, believe it or not next week, Rick. Wow. Next week, it's going to be Naomi versus Mandy versus Sonia versus a once again, blonde haired Carmella. Everything had looked like it was supposed to be Lacey Evans taking on Oscar. And now there's a report that Lacey Evans wasn't happy with the creative meeting. And so she just like walked out of the creative. What the hell are we doing? What is this Lacey Evans thing? What, where is it going? Because at this point it's getting the Scarlet Bordeaux level for me, where it's like either get in the fucking ring and wrestle or get the hell off of my TV. She, she walked right out of that meeting, right through gorilla, right through the curtain, out onto the stage, down the ramp and then back up the stage. Back through Gorilla. Back into the back. Uh, yeah, this, I mean, look at these names here, dude. You're talking about, we're talking about where you're going to put that women's tag match. I would, I, I feel like I would rather have them just leave Asuka off the Mania card. Yeah. I don't want to see any of these matches. This is just terrible. I, I mean, this is. This this is the problem with everyone gets to play. I mean, this this should be a showcase of your absolute best. And no matter where they're at in your company, for WrestleMania, you should find them and bring them together. I could probably name five talents in NXT. I would rather see challenge Asuka for the SmackDown Women's Championship than Naomi, Mandy, Sonya, or Carmella. Yeah, I mean, just restructure this card and get me the best possible match for a SmackDown women. I mean, I'd rather almost see anyone that's involved outside of the Iconics. And I even hate to, you know, even say, not put Nia in there, but I'd rather see Nia challenge than any of these individuals. Give me the four women that are in the NXT Women's Championship match at TakeOver and throw in Candice LeRae and let's make it a six-pack challenge. And that's a match I would rather see than this. I really think, you know, they really dropped the ball with, you know, keeping Asuka on that level of the Rousey, Becky, Shar Shar, when I mean, Baszler would have been 
a great, and you didn't have to take the title off of her. No, she could have worked. She could have worked Takeover because that plays into her. I'm a badass. I'll work both of these shows. I'll show up. Hey, I, I've got. I'm down to PC. I'm torn with NXT, but I'll show up on Tuesdays. The challenge, you know, I'm re, I'm rewriting the history of what this women NXT Women's Championship is. But as I look back at what's already been written, I look back at those other chapters. There's a pretty significant name, Asuka, and I'm showing up here on the blue brand to erase that, to, to, to make sure that everyone knows that the lady who handed over the title and hightailed it out of here did so not because of an injury, not because she was some hot free agent. She did so because the little, the little scared Japanese girl knew I was coming. Now I'm here to hunt you down. I mean, you could have had that. And you know, how excited would people be for that? There is one other option. I, I, I actually thought of one other option. As Naomi and Mandy and Sonya and Carmella are having their match, Nikki Cross comes out, beats all of them, grabs the microphone and says that she wants to play with Asuka. Because out of all of those five, Nikki Cross versus Asuka is by far the better match. They still have unfinished business from NXT. Yeah, hopefully they do something. What if uh, what if Vince, what if Naomi wins and Vince McMahon comes out and says she can't be in the match? Oh Jesus <laughs> Christ! Let's talk about the Miz. But the only way, they, hey, at least at least Baron Corbin's not in it. Yeah, bite your tongue. Might be Baroness Corbin challenging Oscar for the SmackDown Live Women's Championship. The Miz is going to take on the best in the world. Shane McMahon. Uh, Rick, I thought The Miz cut the best promo of his life Tuesday on SmackDown. That entire crowd rallied behind The Miz. Everybody was super into it. And I'm reminded of The Miz saying a few months back that he wanted to be the face of SmackDown Live going into the Fox deal. Right now, when I look at the depth chart of people on the SmackDown roster... I think he already is. I think aside from this Kofi Kingston thing that is just on fire right now, I think the Miz long-term is the face of SmackDown live. Well, I think, you know, and that's a great, that's a, a great position to be shooting for. And when we really break down what the Miz brings to the table, he should be one of those major players. we talk about, you know, it takes so much more than just in-ring ability everything all the tangibles to be a true standout professional wrestling and in this day of age with you know how over the top with pr involved wwe is someone like miz is idea for a position like that uh, but i do think that we are you know we're reading into what the roster is right now and even the whole landscape of wwe by the time we get to fox in october uh, because hey fox themselves is running advertisements with brock lesnar's coming to fox yeah but I do like where this is positioning Miz, because if we're going to elevate Miz to that WWE championship level, number one, his greatest rival happens to be the WWE eco-friendly mid-card champion of the world. And number two, you suddenly have a real rivalry between your lead babyface and your heel authority figure and Shane McMahon. This is the best case scenario for Miz all the way around. Well, I love how you brought that up. You know, looking forward, now you've got, you know, one of the hottest acts in the company, Daniel Bryan, and you naturally 
have that built-in rivalry. You know, AJ Styles, you know, he likes to, you know, tout that he's the face that built the place on the blue brand. Let's be honest. It was really the Miz and Daniel Bryan on Smack Talk. Yeah. You know, that really caught fire where people were like, man, it's, it's legit over there on Tuesdays. They're, they're, they're serious about the blue brand. These guys are getting themselves over here. You've got that built in. And what I was talking about, what I really love and the, the, the message that we're getting from the Miz right now, I want to be the, the face. I, I can carry a brand. I want to elevate myself. That plays in and gets you more invested in this actual feud with Shane McMahon. Hey, if you want to go there, then you got to beat. You got to beat management. You got to beat it in the management. You got to prove to them you belong there. And we're seeing that symbolically in a program with Shane McMahon. Yeah, I thought this was the best that The Miz has been on the microphone. And that's really saying something because The Miz has been killing it for a couple of years now. And I think, you know, as we ran through this card and we can break apart a lot of the holes. This is something we got to give WWE credit for. Uh, the nuances and how and what really this means in the underlining and, you know, the backs, you know, if you really dive into it and, and pull apart the layers this is a program that has, is put together perfectly. This is a program that people like us, we can relate to this. I like this. As far as the real era goes, I like yeah. this. I like you know, AJ Styles and Randy Orton. I like what Big E's doing on Twitter. Like This can be done in the right way. What I don't like is when I'm seeing people like Ronda Rousey going on there and trying to do it, and what she's actually doing is just exposing the business. There is a way to do this the right way. Well, it's it's because in a program like this, this is where we always talk about how we want more, we want better, we want substance. So they're letting us figure out why this is important. And when you have to figure it out yourself, you become invested because then you start making ties to yourself. You know, even it is a little cheesy, you know, when Miz is, you know, this, that's the first time that, you know, my dad said he loved me or proud of me. You know, people can really relate to that as cheesy. It sounds on the surface somewhere deep inside. You can relate to that. So if you're, if you're getting yourself invested in everything else and you have to figure out and understand what's going on, something as simple as like that, it really hits home with you. Then you care about this program. Now, when you go the route of Ronda Rousey, sure, it's got the shock value. Oh, oh I can't believe she went there. But you're, but she's a low denominator. She's aiming at, you know, we're, we coined the phrase, the bark tarp that can't figure it out for themselves, that needs you to take their hand and guide them along. That's who that, that's aimed for. That's not the clientele that you want. I mean, that is, that's the, that's the McDonald's of booking where we want to, people like us, we want a nice, to sit down to a, you know, a nice steak dinner, something that we can enjoy. It's got all the sides and you got all these different parts working together to, to bring you pleasure and enjoyment. Well, and let's take it kind of back all the way to the beginning of the show. When I'm looking at the final four for the new Japan cup, the anticipation of a potential matchup between Kazuchika Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi to see who is going to headline Madison Square Garden 
the storytelling going into that, even though it will be on a one-day build, might be the most anticipated matchup of the year because there is literally years worth of storytelling and emotional investment in the story of those two acts. Well, like you said, it's not really a one-day build because, you know, because we know what's happened with them. We know the rivalry and now how they, they found that common bond with them or respect, if you will. And this and that's all going to take that match and that final to another level. And it's going and in turn, they each have a history with Jay White. So just that adds to the stakes. And then whichever one does advance, everything that they that they have given to get to that point, to go to MSG, we can invest in. You know, going back to the 17th anniversary. You know why we probably enjoyed Taven and Lethal much more than other individuals is because we've been along for that ride. We and we understood what it meant, what the fight in each of those individuals, what it meant for them to not give up, no matter what. Thus, the kickouts, doing anything and everything you could to better the other individual. Now, for the people that had an issue with it, I, I, I really had to believe that you know. They just really didn't understand what they were watching. And at this point, that's kind of how it's starting to feel for me with Becky and Charlotte. We know the history between Becky and Charlotte. They're both after the same achievement. They both went through drastic character changes in the last six months, but there's still all that history there. And now Rousey is just kind of getting wedged into it. Well, it, 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 the problem here is it, it, the way you laid it out is perfect. And I like how you mentioned where once it was like that Rousey was the feature, the marquee, and now she seems to be the third wheel. And it's because we have that history. We're invested with Becky and Shar Shar. We know where they come from. We know their pedigree. We know that they're going to be here going forward, that this really is their their passion. And, and now where it could have been told as – we know it's those two, and they've always there's always that even through friendship or rivalry to better one another. And the stacks, are, you know, the stakes have never been stacked so high now because you have Ronda Rousey, you know, the biggest, you know, sell it as the biggest signing for the company ever, the, the baddest woman on the planet. Now you've got her in here. This is a, an incredible dynamic. But what Rousey's done by exposing, you know, trying to, you know, you know, get a quick, a couple quick chubbies. And exposing the business ultimately exposed herself. One final thing before we let you go today. Huckleberry, what did you think of the decision to keep Roman Reigns off of Monday Night Raw in Chicago? Do you think they were afraid that Roman Reigns would get booed out of the building in Chicago? No. Uh, I, I really think it's going to take a little bit. And it is Progressive, you know, to the, the left kind of as Chicago is, I don't know if even they're ballsy enough to be that first city to boo the, the guy with cancer. Well, uh, if, I, I if thought Roman Reigns comes I, to Cedar Rapids, I'll start the boos. We'll boo him out of the five-season center or whatever I, the hell they call it now. Well, yeah, because Roman Reigns ultimately is one of those people that keeps holding you, you and Big E down. Yeah, yeah. But, he you know, I, no, I, I think it was more – and I don't think it was any fear or anything like that on WWE's behalf. And I'll give them some more credit here. Uh, I thought it was the right move because it played to the, the, the devastation and destruction of Seth Rollins. 
there was no one there to help him. Oh, I guess we should talk about uh, Hunter and Batista. What did you think of the Batista promo? I had to watch it three times and I still barely can remember it. Yep, that's pretty much how I feel about it, too. I was looking forward to the build to this match because I know the match itself isn't going to be very good, but the build to this match has not been very good either. Yeah, it's it's kind of been lost. It just That's what you were kind of looking forward to is like, what can these old pros, especially now what we know that, that Batista can bring to the table, that he's got that taste and experience from Hollywood. Uh, and sadly, it has really fallen short. Yeah, it's been very disappointing. I guess, you know, one other thing I wanted to share on air is a conversation you and I had. And really, as, as we look through this card and how things are shaping up, uh, a couple matches, you know, the, the Battle Royal has been announced. We didn't hit on uh, Rey Mysterio and Joe and all that. But as you look at the entire WrestleMania card, and we talk about how this should be the showcase of showcases, the best of the best, instead of just everyone gets a spot, everyone has to play. You know, I, I told you, I said the one deciding factor, is this credible? Is this WrestleMania quality? Should be. If we ran this match on Hulu's main event program, would people go out of their way to watch it? If the answer is no, then it shouldn't be on WrestleMania. And I'm going to go back and point to this. Kurt Angle, Baron Corbin, if you told me that match was happening on Hulu main event, would I go out of my way to watch it? And the answer is an overwhelming hell no. So why are you giving it to me at WrestleMania? So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then check out our friends over at the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. A bunch of another whole network of shows for you to listen to. We've got plenty of material for your ear holes between thegorillaposition.com, the HTM Podcast Network, and then our friends over at Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com, where you'll be able to find Huckleberry and I this Monday, either under the ring and catering in the locker room. We'll be around somewhere backstage probably assuming that Hamina will let us in make sure that you visit our friend Jamie over at lastwordonprowrestling.com and his batch of pundits they've got you covered all around the world of professional wrestling you can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, same as Instagram. You can find us on Facebook and Twitch.tv backslash Hitting the Marks. Join us Tuesdays for an all-new edition of HTM Sports. Huckleberry, I think I'm out of stuff to plug, so I guess they can find me across all social media at NotJargo. How do the people find you? I'll tell you what, man. Uh, basketball all week and long. We've got the New Japan Cup. We've got MLW. I'm excited for Impact this week. I know they've got a a nice lineup for for their program. What a weekend it's going to be. I'm dreading. You know, and then get to sit down with you to talk in the locker room about everything that's that's unfolded. Oh, man. I'm absolutely dreading another Monday and Tuesday night. Uh, So I encourage everybody, you know, we have to watch this stuff. You know, this is our passion. So we're going to talk about it. But I encourage everyone to, to join us on Facebook over in the live discussions. Uh, they're the best part of the show. Facebook, the Hami Media Discussion Group. Follow me on Twitter at the Real RBV for uh, all my uh, and my insightful takes on analyzing in real time what's happening on those programs. I think that's it. 
That's it for this week's show. We'll talk to you Monday in the locker room. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Label me. I don't give a f- I'll be your bad guy.